0: Coming up in two minutes is a Fifth Tuesday bonus episode the Good Grief, Good God Show, hosted by Grammy nominee and Emmy award-winning hit songwriter of 15 top 10 songs, including nine number ones, Brad Warren of the Warren Brothers. I'm producer Matt Pivato. Join Brad monthly on the first and third Tuesdays on your favorite audio platform or in video on YouTube for raw, honest conversation about surviving things that suck. For today's episode, Brad welcomes author, singer, and hit songwriter of songs responsible for over one billion spot Airplays, fight air plays, including Uncle Cracker's smile, J.T. Harding. So a little bit about J.T. After graduating from school in Detroit, he moved to Hollywood where he made his first demo recording with money he won from the game show VH1 Rock and Roll Jeopardy. While in Hollywood, J.T. focused on writing and traveling the world as the personal assistant to one of the biggest bands of the 21st century, Linkin Park. JT's success in Hollywood eventually led him to a publishing deal and a move to Nashville. JT's catalog of songs include Blake Shelton's Sangria, Kenny Chesney's Somewhere With You, and Dirks Bentley's Different For The Girls, plus dozens of others. You're about to find out that JT has a larger-than-life personality with an improbable life story. A life story chronicled in his autobiography, Party Like a Rockstar. A life story that includes him discovering his biological father was not only a popular dj while he was living in hollywood but also a famous comedian best known for playing eddie leblanc in the hit sitcom cheers the late Jay thomas Check the description or show notes to learn more about JT, Brad, and the show. Also, in the description are clickable links to connect on social media and to visit goodgriefgoodgodshow.com where you find the most up-to-date news and links to the back catalog of episodes, plus more. Lastly, if you'd like to help support the show, hit that subscribe button and give us a big old five-star review. On the behalf of Brad's wife, Michelle, segment producer and guest booker, Lisa Bolt, thank you for tuning in. And we hope you too will find the good in grief. The Good Grief, Good God Show is brought to you in loving memory of Sage Michael Warren. (laughs) It's like I'm in
1: the movie Let It Be Again. It's not working. (laughs) Do You know when the Beatles made their first records at EMI? All of the engineers wore lab coats because they were like, this is science. Like recording is science. So they have ties and suits on and they're in lab coats. They're like, press record. Welcome to the death of a family member podcast. Where well, you like, were just cracking up. They're Like this course, is not a yeah. non funny thing.
2: Like we at least. Hey
1: Lisa, can you spray me with a little bottle so it looks like I'm crying at appropriate moments? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> that would be good if you actually cried and be like, "Man, JT is quite an actor." Yeah. <laughs> I They would never believe you actually were. You know. All right, you guys gonna keep talking back there? <laughs> 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 oh, are we starting. Hey, is there a, a ticker where I see how much time it is? That little uh, thing on the floor? Not that it matters. It's probably something I should ignore, but I like to... Oh, no, dude, I, play, I played at Opryland
1: recently, and there was a countdown clock. It was incredible. So I would look up at it, and I was like, oh, the story's getting a little long. It's gonna, they're gonna, I don't want someone to skip wait, a song. Wait, wait, wait,
2: you played at Opryland.
1: And they had a countdown clock that we could see because we could only play for an hour. So oh, it was fun. Oh, so oh, I would just be singing.
2: each song, you had like six minutes. Get this oh. shit over with. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> That'd be funny. <laughs> Rivers is up there with a hockey stick hitting it. Lisa and I were just discussing today. We wouldn't worry about what people thought about us as, uh, nearly as much if we realized how little they did. <laughs> you know what I <laughs> mean? And yes. the truth is, people want to hear their own songs when you write them. I mean, I, I'm kind of, kind of narcissistic when it comes to like, listen, to, I want to listen to two of your songs. I don't want to listen to four. No. <laughs> you know? And I definitely don't want to listen to five. <laughs> I was thinking about the first time we ever, um, we ever wrote, I don't know if you remember that. How long, how long, I mean, this is 20 years, maybe 15 or so, 2000
1: was smile already out. That came out in 2000.
2: No, it was before smile, you know, no, no, is. no. Yeah. This is, you oh, yeah were, it was a long time ago. You, lo- you were a kid. Like I was a kid and I thought you were young, so I don't know how, how much older I am than you, but we're it's, it was. You Is see my gum? hair dye
1: dripping? Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> I thought you were Rudy Giuliani for a second. <laughs> no. you, um, Chris Farron hooked us up. We were at Combustion, and you were JTX. You were still in JTX.
1: Yes. Yeah, so that was twenty years ago, right? Yeah. Now I'm JT with a lot of X's. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you JT. I need to lean up to this. I don't. You're, no, right? you don't. It's, I think it's good. <laughs> Check me out.
1: Can it, don't adjust
2: your computers. I'm really dressed like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of tame for you, to be honest. I was I was kind of hoping for the leopard the leopard print outfit. How many crazy suits do you have? I probably have uh, probably four or five. I need a few more. A lot of people have seen them around Nashville. Yeah.
1: yeah. I like my money where I can see it hanging in my closet.
2: Right, right. <laughs> and it's funny. Social media is giving everybody. I've seen that. I saw that that code on your TikTok already. Yeah, exactly. You know, you exactly. start repeating your outfits. Yes. Used to be, you could do a whole tour and have three outfits, and you know, unless somebody had a, yeah. an instant camera, you weren't really getting getting called out on that. Um, you and your brother have to start making up new jokes because we're like, oh, we saw that one already. I have a thing about, like, there's certain go-tos in, in the show, but I have a thing about leaving room for, like, the, the joke that just appears. Absolutely. The really funny nights, they're not every night, but the really funny nights of the songwriters thing are the night that you just get on a tangent and go there. But when everything's in the can and you just tell the, some of the stories they want to hear, you got to have the same ones. We all do that. But I like leaving room for a brand-new story a person that's like on their phone texting while you're playing. And it's just like, let's go off on them. Absolutely. Right the entire night about them.
1: Yeah, totally. Or when you guys were playing a song and someone in the audience was like, I saw JT tearing up in that. He thinks it's so, he's so funny. And I said, I am tearing up. I'm so sad I didn't write that song. Stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah There's <laughs> a good way to go off the cuff. It's just I don't, I don't want to be too. In it, but therefore, so I was like, oh, tell that one joke again. I'm like, no, that joke was pertinent to the... The funny one I'm thinking of is we 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 play if you're reading this it's a soldier song about it you know we told the story it's it's a letter home for it's very serious and uh Brett always says anyone that that was in the military raise your you know raise your hand and 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 uh we were at the blue board nobody raised their hand and wow. Brett says um okay does anyone have a son or a daughter or a parent that was in yeah, the military like my father was yeah, yeah right right nobody nothing Whoa. Brett said does anyone have a relative or a, or a spouse that was in the military Nobody, and I, I just finally leaned up to the mic and said, has anyone here seen Saving Private Ryan? <laughs> and I was like off the cuff, and they're like, tell that every night. And well, I'm like, you can't because everyone's going to raise their yeah, hand. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's very rare. And then I called him a bunch of commies and uh, <laughs> yeah, and berated them the rest of the show about no one having been in the that military. That joke will be
1: huge. Just do a whole songwriter tour of Russia. Is anyone here in the American Army? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Is this thing on? <laughs>
2: So the book, man, how about like, oh, really, yes, we'll yes get into which, the book. One, which one
1: of these seven cameras is on? Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean, we'll get into the book what's yeah. in there because it's like your story, whatever. But like writing. It's inspiring, by the way, writing a book. It's great. The book is great. Your story's freaking crazy. If anyone hasn't bought the book, buy the book, read it or just get, actually show up to CJT. Throw him some puppy dog eyes, I'll give you a free one. Yeah, that's true. But like writing the book—is it what, what, what made you do that? Uh great question. I played
1: a songwriter show here, like you do. A lot of people know there's songwriter shows in Nashville all over, and a woman that I had never met before—I personally had never even heard of her—named Dana Perino was in the audience. And she said, "I saw this guy JT. He should write a book." Now, as you know, and I'm finding out, everyone knows she's on television. And my phone just started ringing. Like, yeah, I'm a
2: huge fan of her, and you, you become friends. So that's yeah, yeah, that's yeah the exactly. That's, yeah. that's probably <laughs> Finally, perfect. Saw, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> she's very nice, and she really, uh, you know, came through. She said, "Yeah, I know. I met this guy JT." and he should write a book. And so she told everyone about it and, and I got a few offers and I I wrote the book. And it was pretty amazing because it was during COVID and it really gave me something to do. And I just sat down and uh, started you know, writing uh, my life story. I was adopted. I didn't know anyone in the music business this is really why I wrote it. And I became a hit songwriter. I just loved watching MTV. You know, I would sneak in and see Purple Rain. I moved out to Los Angeles, lost record deals, lost writing deals. It was just like, no, 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 no. Until someone finally said yes. Kind of like how you got married. And, uh, <laughs> and so that's really why I wrote the book. But then, but then writing the book, things about my family came out that uh, were very, things that maybe I hadn't talked about a ton, you know? Um, I've I've always talked about being adopted, but then I met my biological parents, and I'm not one of those guys that says, read the book if you wanna know the story, you know? I've never met a microphone. Yeah, we're telling the whole story I've never met a microphone I didn't like, yeah. yeah. And then I had a brother that well, passed well, you're, away. Well,
2: yeah. your dad, so just for a second before you yeah. get by that, we'll obviously talk about your dad was Jay Thomas. And people don't necessarily know the name Jay Thomas, but they would know his face.
1: Yeah, definitely. So I was uh, adopted. I was born here. Uh, my uh, birth certificate is an apology. You were born here. In- I was born in Vanderbilt.
2: Really? Yes, yes. I thought you were from Michigan.
1: Um, no, we moved. Oh, there. oh, oh. Yeah, Jay was yeah. here. Okay. My da- so okay. this gets a little confusing. So I was adopted at birth. It's always curious because my birth certificate is an apology from a condom company. It's framed <laughs> in, next to my Sangria Platinum album. Yeah. Gives you a chill, doesn't it? No. So I was adopted at birth by the Hardings. So I wouldn't trade for anything in the world. My dad was a coach at Vanderbilt. Uh, he scored a touchdown in the Rose Bowl. Coach, he- what at Vanderbilt? Football head coach, yeah. uh, I don't know if he's was the head coach, but he's one of them. Yeah, wow, played for okay. the Rams for a minute. Wow, yeah. So we were adopted, I was adopted, and then we moved to Michigan. So, and then when I was like about tw- I had already moved out to LA, and then to go back to your story, when I was 21 or 22, my biological mother had been looking for me, and then we started speaking on the phone. And then she told me who my real dad is. If I, mean, I don't even know how to explain biological
2: it. father, yeah, yeah biological.
1: What? And you know the story, but I'll, I'll tell to anyone that you know, obviously, a lot of people don't know me. She said, just so you know, your your real father is not like other people. And that makes your that makes you I mean, what does that make you think? he's in jail or maybe cause some trouble. Yeah. And she said, Oh no, no, he's an actor. He's on, he's on the show. And I could just tell by the tone of her voice, she was not kidding. She said, he's an actor. Uh, He was on the show Cheers, and I had like three roommates at that time, broke living in Hollywood. And I put the phone on my shoulder, and I was like scanning the cast of Cheers, like the Terminator, looking for a human. Ted Nance is my father. Yeah, yeah, Said Ted Nance is my father. We're going to get lobster tonight. And she said, "No, no, no." I should be better looking. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: No, his name is Jay Thomas, and I thought Jay Thomas. True story. He was Jay Thomas was a gigantic DJ at that time in Los Angeles, and one block from my apartment. I was living on the most unglamorous corner of Hollywood. The entire side of the building was Jay's face on the body of a woman and it said, Power 106, we apologize for Jay Thomas. I mean, my head was spinning. He had come into Tower Records where I was working. I had watched him on Mork and Mindy, Cheers. Uh, he was on the cover of TV Guide at the 7-Eleven I was going to. So yeah, I mean, and, and then we met and we became like long lost fraternity brothers. It's such a bad movie, our story. I'm surprised Jay didn't star in the movie, you know? <laughs> Mr. Holland's opus was out at that time. I'd already seen it. Jay was in it. So, yeah.
2: You know, it's a I lot mean, like Tim McGraw and his dad, Tug. It really is sound like that because Tim oh, was like his a fan. He has a, the body of a woman. Yeah. 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 He did actually. <laughs> yeah, he had great pecs. Yeah. <laughs> but he had a baseball card pinned to his wall. No, stable I to don't his know wall this. of Tug when he found out Tug was his dad. He was like, I don't remember exactly for 12 or something wow. and was, was looking for uh, Christmas gifts in his attic, uh, you know, snooping. And found his birth certificate, and his father said, Tug McGraw, and he's like, what? And he had a wow. like had baseball card stapled to his wall, and one of the baseball cards was Tug McGraw. Yeah. So this guy that he had up is like a... Uh, athletic hero. That's unbelievable. You really can't make
1: it up. It sounds fake. If it was in a movie, you'd say, okay, it's good. But man, if I had found my birth certificate and it said Jay Thomas, I would have scribbled it out. Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you don't get to pick, right? Yeah. But, but Jay was great. And you know, he has two sons, Jake and Sam, which I'm incredibly close. I met with. Sam. Yeah. And then my brother Lance, who is a Harding? Who goes by his Native American name in the book? Dances with Vodka. Um, that they just think he's. Thought <laughs> so that was Sam. <laughs> yeah, no, no. no. <laughs> uh, and they just think Lance is incredible. He's just a wild man. So I, I've gotten very lucky, and it's amazing how many people write me, Facebook, Instagram, sharing their adoption stories. It's it's really you know it, it's it's just like writing songs. You write a hit song. Like if you're reading this, you start hearing from people everywhere, and so it's really it's wild to hear all the stories.
2: So how do you wear that? How do you wear the adoption? It's funny. I don't, I mean, just like, if people talk about, um, you know, abandonment issues or something like that. I don't think I would have that because when you're a baby, someone did not not choose you. They chose not to be a parent, but it didn't happen to me. So I don't know. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't, I don't think I would feel abandoned. I would feel uh, collected by the people that adopted me. Yes. The people that didn't adopt you, it wasn't because you cried too much as an infant. They had just decided they weren't going to have a yeah, child. Exactly. Is that how you feel about it? Or tell me the truth.
1: 100%. I wouldn't trade the Hardings for anything. And I've never felt like a longing for anything or an emptiness. And literally, truly in seventh and eighth grade, I was like, you know, David Lee Roth might be my real dad, you know, like talking to girls. So I just, I wouldn't trade him for anything. And people that have, um, adopted children have written me and said do you think my son when he grows up he's going to wish he was with his real mother or father and I, and I always say for my own I just say absolutely not there's no way yeah I just I wouldn't wouldn't trade my family for the world so yeah. but you know I got very I got very lucky yeah. Yeah. And I mean look at me. My so my dad was like as big as like the gates of Jurassic Park. Larry Harding loved sports, worked for ESPN. My mom was the president of Little League. You know, I was like, you know, an MTV junkie trapped in an episode of Sports Center. I'm spraying my hair with hairspray. I I'm like, you know, we didn't have the internet when I was a kid. So to get checkerboard pants, I would like get a pair of like white jeans from my babysitter and then like spray spray paint, you know, checkerboards on them, you know, and they always encouraged me to be myself. And for you kids listening, I didn't have Instagram. So to show off my outfits, I had to walk to the pencil sharpener twice every class, you know, (laughs) but so imagine I'm just like rock and roll, rock and roll. And my parents just encouraged it. You know, my dad would trade his Michigan state university, 50 yard line tickets for tickets for me to go to a concert. So I did, they
2: were, they couldn't have been more, you know, encouraging. It's funny because the, um, it gives, it gives a lot of credo to genetics, you know, to genetic, you grew up in a jock family, which yeah. is so funny because you're just a total creative guy and the genetics that were in you, the entertainer genetics. Yes. Superseded the raising of the, of the, the great raising that you people that you love, but it's funny we we give ourselves too much credit for what um for what our children do or don't become. And some of that's like everybody has their own path. and you just I, I mean reading the book uh, you knew early. You know, like you knew really early. You were I was an MTV junkie too, except we didn't have a TV. So I had to it was that's so tough to be a junkie no, for no. something you can't get a hold of. You and your brother had to act out videos, you know. we did our, our share of that put the we bikini would, on. with the strictest father on earth that would literally whip you with a belt with shotgun bullet heads on it. Like he was strict and military Ouch. and everything, we would poke out the screen and jump out our window in the middle of the night and run to our friend's house about half a mile away so that we could watch MTV. And then we would run back and climb in the window and go to bed. That's incredible. And then have to get up and like work in the garden all day or whatever. Cause our dad was like a military. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was hardcore, I, 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 but we wanted to watch MTV bad enough to risk life and limb.
1: I love it. I love it. Yeah. I hated doing chores. Yeah, oh,
2: I still hate doing chores. Yeah, yeah me too. Me too. Literally. What are chores but i mean I, I like to work hard but i don't want to do chores yeah if you totally. work hard enough at your job you can hire yeah. someone to do chores for you
1: and you know i would always say i don't want to do my homework i don't want to you know you don't know, do the chores of course i would have to and my my dad would say you can do anything you want with your life just do it your best so i was like all right but you know and you know putting a band together playing in the battle of bands or all these things it didn't seem like work it was so fun
2: and, and it turns out it was work um yeah I, I have a, I mean, it is, it is work. It's been a long, long time since either one of us had an actual what job, but yes. I've worked harder at my career than I, I ever would have at any job. Um, I, I come, I have a quote for everyone that comes on okay. um, to this. And, uh, I couldn't find the author of your quote, but it was, uh, the quote was greatness comes with its quirks. Ooh. And, uh, I don't know who, who wrote it. And I usually can figure that out, but I don't I don't know where I heard it or, yeah. but it's one of he those. He was so
1: quirky he forgot to put his name on it. Well
2: or that's <laughs> why that's, am I leaning up to this mic? <laughs> <laughs> it's that guy unknown that's always on these yes. things. Man, he's got he's yeah. got some great quotes. Whoever unknown. said
1: women, you can't live with them, you can't live without him. Give
2: that guy a platinum album. Who wrote that? Yeah, yeah. who wrote that? <laughs> I don't know. It's unknown. That same <laughs> yeah. guy, unknown wrote it. No, you're like a you're a quirky guy, and it's amazing that you're um that is the beauty of your the way that you operate, i would never forget the first time we wrote with you, however long ago it was, it seems like it was 20 years ago, but you were young, this rock and roll kid and JTX. We were rock and roll kids, too, but we're all writing country music, and and we love country music, but there's this edge, and uh, you were standing up and performing as we were writing. Like <laughs> I hadn't written with anyone that stood up. I still haven't. I've been doing this for a long time. Never, and you were standing up performing the songs like, oh, my God, I love this kid. Oh, it's yeah. great, yeah.
1: I don't know if I do that anymore. Sometimes I do. I did. I just was like, you know, whenever I write a song, I'm trying to imagine can 80,000 people sing this? Exactly. I think we wrote when I had the complete honor before I had any hits really to go over to Afghanistan for a week to perform for the troops. And yeah, the only thing louder than the, than the guns and bombs were, were my outfits. Yeah. Uh, But, and then (laughs) when I I I came back, I remember there was a connection, like maybe you guys were Writing, if you're reading this, and I had been over there, so maybe there was like a little connection like that. I think
2: it was before, if I think it this. was.
1: I just there Chris was something Farron. about that. Chris I remember. was involved yeah. somehow, was he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he, he was, was your publisher, publisher yeah. yeah So we connected us, but it's and not, he produced I, our records.
2: So, I, I, oh, yeah, 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 I think it was just like, hey, there's you know, where there's like <laughs> that's why he has people. so much gray hair and a nervous twitch. <laughs> He's, honestly, we, we gave him something, poor guy. <laughs> Uh, the people that had to, to deal with us all should get a, some sort of award, Yes, but they do. There's like four or five of us. When somebody rock and roll comes to town, we get a call. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh they will come right with the Warren brothers, go right with JT or Blair Daly. Yes. And that that's it sounds it. like
1: a song title almost when somebody <laughs> rock and roll comes to town. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I miss that. Now that people just live here, yeah. everybody rock and roll lives here. Um, so as you're, as you're, as you're writing, the, like I was going to ask you about COVID. That's a that was a great time to write a book. That was really smart. Yeah. That's a good exactly. use of your time. So that's. And the book is called, law.
1: yeah. Party like a rock star. Remember that meme that was going you around uh, at it the time. Of commercial.
2: Look at that. Yeah, that's yeah. a great looking book. What
1: Ooh, yes, and that's me on the on the cover in eighth grade battle of bands, which we did win breaking a guitar. When I hit that guitar on the stage, my feelings rattled. I didn't know breaking a guitar was so hard. Kiss made it look oh, so you gotta, easy. Yeah they, yeah, they
2: broke them a little bit first. Well, no one told me that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't have the internet. Are <laughs> you wearing leggings?
1: I'm wearing leg warmers, ripped shirts. More, it's so many bandanas. It's like you know, a, 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 yeah, a bomb went off game. in a cowboy town. As you can tell, I, I hate attention but, uh, yeah, it was fantastic. (laughs) There was a little meme going around that said, during a plague, Shakespeare wrote his best 20 sonnets. Like I would see that meme going around and it really frustrated me. I was like, you know, it's COVID. We're all locked down. I don't feel really inspired, but I remember seeing that meme. I was like, all right, Mr. Smart guy who makes these memes, I'll, I'll start writing this book. So it was, it was a good time to do it. No,
2: it's great. And there's a discipline certainly the, uh, kind of because I currently know the side of not not doing writing when I should be <laughs> yeah. and uh, doing it, but it's just just to sit on and write it. But your story is so crazy. Um, so like this being about grief, and uh, rather than segue into so many things I want to talk about in your book, but the um, your brother Harding, what was his name?
1: Uh, Lee Harding.
2: Lee. Yeah. So it's like a total stud athlete, good kid. And how old was he? Totally.
1: He, so he would have been. In eighth grade, and I was in six. But at the time, he seemed like 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 you. He seemed like a grown up. You know, when you're a kid, someone a little older. So his name was Larry, named after my father. But he loved the Six Million Dollar Man, starring Lee Majors. Yeah, I was more into Farrah Fawcett or whoever, Yeah, no, no, yeah, who, yeah, no, yeah. no, no. Who played the Bionic Woman? Yeah, that was uh, Linda
2: Wagner, Lindsey Wagner, Lindsey no.
1: Wagner. Yeah, but anyway, so he changed his name to Lee when he was young. He wanted to be like Lee Majors, a $6 million man. And my parents, I guess, were like, all right, and it just stuck. They were really cool people. Similar to me, similar to me, my name was John Thomas Harding, but I didn't want to be John or Tom. Even as a kid, it seemed too boring for me. So I changed my name to JT, can you imagine? I was like- You're not a John or a Tom, for sure, yeah. And I'm from Michigan, JT was so much easier to write in the snow, if if you're picking up what I'm putting down. (laughs) Um, uh, So yes, he was great at sports, uh, I just remember he was great with animals, like he was always like you know feeding the squirrels or helping an injured bird. He had great buddies, which i will do, i'll get to part two of that. Girls liked him, and just being totally honest with everything going on in the world today, I certainly don't think he was doing any drugs. I certainly don't think he was depressed, but I was just a kid, but yes, but he he uh unfortunately took his own life, and there's no way to explain it or it's just one of the great mysteries and going back to the book. I did 10 drafts of the book. I, I kept thinking, this could be better. There's a better detail about working for Lincoln Park. I know a better detail about when I lost this uh, writing deal. Oh, I know a better detail about writing uh, Beers and Sunshine with Darius Rucker. So I kept working on the book. And then the 10th draft, I was like, man, I'm skipping like a major part of my life. So I put the chapter about you know Lee in there and then kind of referenced it later in life, um, how I would like be reminded of him. And the publisher was like, what is this? But the point I'm trying to make is I don't think I've ever really learned how to talk about it, but even just like you and I would never be talking about this as close as we are, if it wasn't for this book. And I, and I don't really know how to explain that. I, maybe I was um, embarrassed, which I shouldn't have been, or I probably as a kid, like self-conscious, like you're going to a party and I've got like a stack of CDs. Hey, I'm the only guy that has the new Van Halen record. And then is someone going to be like, Oh, that's the kid, whose brother, like, you know, killed himself. It's like, you know, so, yeah. Even you can hear me now, it's like I, I sound a little timid talking about it, but this is, you know, so much better than I've ever been talking so about So
2: that's it. a really, really interesting point because I never thought about a kid being embarrassed. Or something. It must oh, be that. that and yeah. By the way, it's fine to use the word embarrassed because when you're a kid, you just feel what you feel. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be good or right. Um, my wife and I, when we're talking to families that um, – that ever experiencing what we have experienced with losing the child, and they'll be like, "Well, we're not." When you know good and well what happened with the child, well, we're not saying anything till we're sure what happened, or we're very private, and they don't want to. And I, I don't. I'm not judging them. Everyone's got their their cross to bear and their road to take. But if as adults, if we get over whatever that thing is, whether it's suicide with our kid, with our son, it was it was fentanyl, and and the truth is that he was poisoned with fentanyl, but. If he hadn't been taking drugs, he wouldn't have taken the fentanyl. And if we can talk about that, especially immediately while it's fresh, if we can talk about that, we can help a lot of people. But we are, especially the generation that our parents are from, we're so embarrassed of shit that happens to everyone that we miss a chance, miss multiple chances to help other people in that situation. Um, Like I can imagine, but but as you're saying that as a kid, it's like, oh, because... My youngest son was in high school still when this happened with Sage, and they were tight. As for Sage, was a popular kid. He was a football star at Father Ryan High School. He just people knew him, and so Jude yeah, loved I met being him backstage. Yeah, 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 you exactly. Well, we'll get into that later. His smile was his favorite song when oh. he was a little kid. It was amazing. It's always touches my heart when I think about that. Um, and um, he had a kind of an, a, a big presence, and Jude loved being his little brother. But I didn't really think about until you just said that that for sixteen year old Jude. What was that like? Now I'm the kid that's brother just... I mean, for the rest of his high school life, he was the kid that's brother died. Um, and we were very open with it. But I, it was it, it was interesting when I read the book, I thought, man, he didn't spend very much time on that. And the fact that you almost released that book without putting that in. Yeah, terrible, like, terrible. Like, talk about denial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Let's be honest. And, and it's interesting. <laughs> so my
1: brother, Lance who is gigantic, who's like, but he's younger than me, but he's big like my dad, Larry Harding. I'll keep saying the names because I know it's confusing. Yeah, yeah, um, he's all big, of, with he's all of your dads, as, we gotta be clear yeah, who we're yeah. talking about. He's as big as these lights, Lance, he was different. And don't forget when this happened with my brother, I was in sixth grade. So I was just starting to go the next year to dances and like, you know, flirting with girls and making out with girls. So it was this uh, this big thing of like, oh no, do they know? My brother Lance was different. I would run into someone and, and they would say, Oh yeah, I had a crush on your brother Lance, and then uh, I probably shouldn't say this, but and he was telling me all about you know your brother that died, and I was like, he was? I was like, oh my god, I don't know, if he was doing that to get sympathy or what? But he's much more open than I am. But no, but it's a good thing I'm a songwriter. I'd probably be in a straitjacket somewhere upstairs. Oh, for yeah. sure, because the truth is, on a phone is- that doesn't have a plug in it.
2: Yeah, that intrinsically changed you, whether you know it or not. And and I don't know if you noticed that your parents were never the same after that, but they weren't. I can tell you because I am one.
1: Yeah, never. never Not
2: not that not that it's there are some great blessings in this journey, but I can assure you that your parents were never the same people. Oh, there's no way for them.
1: And a, a couple of things on that, my which reminded me of you and your wife talking to parents. My mom was just a hero. She dove into. I'm getting the name wrong. I think it was like. Michigan suicide association, but it was the prevention of it. Mm -hmm. And she went and talked to people all over the state and parents and she was on TV, but she's not like me, like, Hey, I'm coming in the room, you know, with a one-liner, you know? Um, and so I think she helped a lot of people helped a lot of families and that, yeah. So that was fantastic. And then I actually felt bad. This is probably six or seven years ago when it really came to my mind, I was like, oh, I wish I was there more for my mom because I could remember her. We, we had a cottage up north in Michigan. And I w- I could hear her crying and I'm in the back room putting, you know, kiss makeup on and working on my moves. And I remember like, and I, so I, I went to see a therapist and I feel bad that I didn't really know what to say to my mom. And the therapist was great. She just said, you were a kid that that wasn't your job. And I was like, oh, I was like, all right. So there you have it. Yeah.
2: hundred percent, uh, jude our youngest son i just brought up to we he and i went for a walk or a hike or something like months after sage died and he said uh dad i just feel guilty that i don't he was sage is like my best friend but i feel guilty that i don't feel as bad as you and mom do and i said oh thank god you don't you don't you're not supposed to i don't we don't want you to feel as bad as us we want you to be you it, it's different believe me it's different i hope i hope that you never have this feeling but you're not I said do don't feel guilty. Do not feel guilty about good days. Do not feel guilty. The thing with mom and I is something that you'll never understand until you have a child of your own. And when and if you do have a child of your own, you'll kind of get the way that we feel and only by losing that child, which I'm pleased God would pray that you never did, would you feel that you're not do not take on the responsibility of trying to feel like we do. And that's good, really good. Great advice. It's amazing a therapist actually said something smart. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And going back a second to you and I talking,
1: this thing that I, I, yeah, I'm I'm embarrassed to say embarrassed. Let me just also say self conscious. The thing I'm pointing at the book. The thing that I was the most self conscious about, maybe in my life, not like in the last fifteen years, but just growing up is the thing that the most people have come to me and talk about. We've already talked about, Hey, I was adopted too, but I got a lot of messages like that years ago when Jay and I were on TV causing all sorts of trouble. We were on TV shows together, Jay Thomas and I, that wouldn't even show us because we were so wild. They were hoping for a tearful reunion. I would come running out in my underwear on live television, all sorts of stuff. I threw a shoe at him when he was on David Letterman because he, uh, he didn't mention me, you know, and I got thrown out of the David Letterman show. So that was great. But, um, a lot of people write me or come up to me or other podcasts and say, hey, uh, you know, uh, I, I lost a brother, I lost a son. And it, it's interesting how this thing that you're self-conscious about so many people can relate to, unfortunately, but they can, yeah.
2: Yeah, um, a friend of mine, I won't even say who it is, it's, it's a songwriter that a lot of people would know. He he said to me after Sage's funeral, because I spoke at it and I just told the truth, and he said, yeah, that's something that people would think – Um that other people would think less of you for when you shared that I couldn't possibly think more of you because you shared that. And I said, it's funny cause I never thought about people thinking less of me for telling the truth because it's funny when, uh, we stand up somewhere and we dance around something that everyone knows the truth to yeah, exactly. and don't just
1: say it. It's become very easy for me. Totally. Did you tell the truth a lot uh, when you're growing up to your parents about sneaking out of the window and stuff? No,
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I'll tell you yeah. when I started telling the truth is when I got
1: sober. <laughs> I just heard a thousand people going, no, no, no. <laughs> totally. No, no. And that's I the a- difference as a kid. Yeah. You, you wouldn't, you know, bring it up or I wouldn't, but now, yeah. But it, yeah, you can hear me. I'm, I'm glad we're doing this now because the first few I've done a lot of great interviews about the book and I would be stumbling over the words. It would be like, so tell me you about your brother. I'm like, Oh, Lance, he was a, a four year freshman at Michigan state. He was a tackling dummy. Oh, uh, what else do you want to know about him? You know? And they're like, no, no, no. The other one. The other one.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's when I, when I was reading the book, I, that stopped me in my tracks. I'm like, what? I've known JT a long time. This has never come up. It's just something that he, yeah, yeah. Obviously hadn't, and and you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to take on more than you're supposed to. But there is also moments of like, okay, there there are reasons for our personalities. Some of it, obviously this genetics involved. It's amazing for me to hear how you're raised by these other parents. You're just like, nope, still, I'm still a songwriter. I'm still an entertainer. Yes. There's no, there's, the, there's no, there's no hiding is, that.
1: Yeah. Oh, every time I open the fridge, I do it. When the light comes on, I do 30 minutes of stand-up. I always have. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that comes, but also Jay Thomas hated music. He was like, the Beatles are hippies. Elvis is a thief of black music. Dylan's a moron. The handles took the vandals and the cat said this on the mat. So, so. I don't know where the music thing comes from but my parents
2: encouraging me to like yeah, be in creative, is creative yeah, though yeah, yeah, that's, totally, yeah. <laughs> jay was creative he's yeah, a definitely, dj definitely. He, he, by the way what we do rarely has a ton to do with music <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we all know the same four chords and we're we're playing and i look i man, i love the musical part of music but what we're really searching for lyrical ideas that, that are compelling and
1: and you are also correct because i can remember as a kid taking some sort of i don't even know what it was maybe it was like a fishing pole and i would put a fake mic on it and i would press you know the two buttons to record on a tape recorder i'd say this is jt and this is the new song by paul mccartney but i had never know you know i did not know who jay thomas was i didn't i had no idea never thought about who he was but i was pretending i was a dj at a very very young age and jay was you know a disc jockey
2: forever yeah you so have that, no knowledge of what no none none at all it's wild right, right? yeah <laughs> i mean we just don't i don't think we give genetics enough credit for for the a lot yes, yes. they are responsible for a lot and it get, does lead me to believe that like i don't have as much control i can control like my effort and my attitude but i can't it's not a whole lot. like i was i was gonna be a songwriter i was 12 years old i mean just i was just was playing guitar and started writing songs. I don't even know why. I guess I wanted to be a rock star and you had to write your own songs, but I just started writing songs so that our band would have something to play. Yeah, um, It's crazy. Well, how yeah. That-
1: you, well, that puts you in a different league because as I say in the book, I'm growing up and I see my babysitter's boyfriends or the guys that teach guitar at the guitar center or I've all due respect for all those people. The guy that was trying to teach me how to play guitar uh, which didn't work very well, I just couldn't get it. But they were all in like playing cover songs at bars and there was something in me at a very young age. I was like, I don't wanna be doing that. I better start figuring out how to write songs. So you had that as well, yeah. Yeah, no,
2: I know I, that's a good point. And I, I saw know. that
1: picture of you and your brother when you were kids, I thought, man, this would have been great, you know, teenage Miami vice. I mean, your hair was incredible, yeah. I called you guys teenage, I said, Miami future vices.
2: <laughs> I wouldn't call that, that hair incredible. My mom was had cut our hair with paper scissors it's <laughs>
1: great. And no, it ability. cost a fortune to look this messy. Yeah. Oh
2: man, you talk about it would have been bowl cuts if she had had a steady hand. Yeah. <laughs> <But it's, laughs> instead, maybe it looked like it was cropped or something. It's no, God, no bad haircuts yes. all the way through. And and music in our family, mom and dad both sang and played instruments, whatever. But man, they writing or being creative or as a job. Oh, we got lots and lots and lots of. This is not a job. No TV. No TV in our house ever we were growing up. So it's wild. they gave us, li- and you're not allowed to play rock and roll, but you have to play music. This is the perfect street to like, first of all, screw you. I'm playing rock and roll. And I, we just became so, st- I'm convinced if you don't want a kid to do something or if you really want a kid to do something, forbid him to do it.
1: Yes. You know? To me, like, I, I don't know who's listening to this, but to me growing up, and I don't think I was maybe addicted to TV, but I loved watching, you know, good times and family ties. And I, I can't say it enough, MTV. I would sit all day on a Saturday watching Live Aid. My dad would come in and turn the TV off, go outside, and then we'd go to someone else's house to continue watching. <laughs> to me, saying growing up in a house with no TV is literally like saying to a teenager today, imagine you're the only person at your school
2: that doesn't have a I'm phone. phone. Yeah. It, it, you can't
1: even imagine it.
2: That's what it was like. Yeah. We you can't were even imagine it. outcast socially, but they gave us the gift of boredom. There was nothing to do but work we had lots of work lots of chores i mean lots of work and i do love to work i've mentioned before about chores but i, I do love to work but the, just mindless chores and garden we had to grow food and, and we lived in a suburb and 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 had to like live like amish people in a suburb so no television and we didn't know what anyone was was doing or talking about when they talked about tv shows and you felt out of place but they gave it. They had, we had instruments sitting around our house, and we all learned how to play just out of wow. boredom because there was nothing else to do. So we had to were entertain. Like the ourselves. White
1: Jackson Five.
2: Yeah, a little, I mean a little bit like the Warren Four. <laughs> it was it was rough emotionally because you were. I was always embarrassed. We had crappy clothes, crappy haircuts. You didn't know what was going on, on TV. So we were like the Amish kids coming into like New York City all the time. Wow. Yeah, we we were didn't even they have phones. <laughs> yeah, no, they yeah they have phones now. I don't know what they would do at this. Like, my mom has a TV now. And I'm like, Mom, don't be tell, tell watching that TV. It's bad for you. It's how you yeah, raise. Exactly. I mean, I'm trying to imagine that I can't, you know? It was wild. It was wild. And we were part of the problem with our artist career when we got to, you know, any certain point. We were so surprised that we had made it to any sliver of pop culture. We had a like a three-day drunken number 72 party when we were in billboard entered at 72 that's great we saw our names in the magazine we had grown up reading and just lost our minds and (laughs) and just partied over it It because like oh my god we're in billboard (laughs) that's great we were so surprised with any success that it became that the alcohol and drugs became a problem yeah you know as they were going to now
1: everyone's like i should be in the paper all the time i should be on the Uh,
2: That's now i'm like why aren't we at number one you know (laughs) uh yeah that's that's an interesting part of it, the number one counting, which we'll, we'll get to that. But, um, well, I'm glad that you talked about your brother and I did, you know, you, it's funny because you're a happy guy. You're, you're just a positive happy person and you've had kind of a road. I mean, it's not, I'm not saying that it's bad. You actually had two great sets of parents and <clears throat> finding out your dad is your friend and he was famous. Did, did that going back to Tim McGraw again, Tim told me one time that tug, knowing he was Tug's son, let him know that something was possible. That's the gift that Ooh, Tug gave him. Great. Like like knowing that my father was famous and successful, let me know that there was something outside this little town in Louisiana that I could accomplish. And that was the gift Tug gave to him. Did you ever get that feeling? I don't know if I got that from... From Jay, but there were, when I first met him and don't forget, I'm
1: in LA, always had a job, but didn't really have any money. was playing, you know, shows anywhere I, I could. And Jay would come to the shows and there was a little buzz in the audience. There was like, oh, this, this actor is here. So I enjoyed that. But I was, you know, at Tower Records where I worked. I mean, every rock star came in, you know, Prince, Michael Jackson, Kurt Cobain. So I was always thinking, it didn't seem like it would be easy to get, but I always thought, oh, there's, there's, I can get into this magical world somehow. But no, the Jay thing was more of just kind of, I think I liked standing in the glow of
2: his, you know, fame at the time. But uh, Did you ever get pissed that he didn't, that you didn't grow up completely in that or no?
1: No, no, not at all. Because he wasn't with my biological mother and uh she's i i she's she's a, she's a great lady but she's always very angry uh towards him the, the yeah. times we talk so i i mean who knows what would have happened i probably would have been visiting jay once a year in new york and i would be he would have seemed like a hero so i'm glad that he didn't raise me is that what you're saying yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely
2: um yeah because total- you start off from a broken home before you had a chance to yeah, yeah you, got, exactly, you got the best exactly. of both worlds.
1: And then he was remarried and has this incredible wife, you know, Sally. So no, I wouldn't have changed it uh, for anything. Yeah. yeah. But my mom wrote him a letter and said, Wow, I really understand J.T. more now that I've met you and seeing you. So that was interesting. Harding mom. Yes, the yeah. Hardings, Yes. Yes, yeah. definitely. So that that was interesting. Did
2: they get to meet each other? Oh,
1: yeah. They they met Jay and then they just, you know, they they just they all they all got on like gangbusters, you know. And um, and you know Jay loved football too, so he loved talking to my dad about
2: all that. Yeah, it's It's true. Your dad being like a a coach at Vanderbilt and a guy that played in the NFL. That there's like when I grew up, I didn't know anyone famous or successful. I didn't. This is the truth. This is the truth. I didn't know anyone as successful as me. Yeah, (laughs) my whole childhood, and I'm not. You know, I'm not. I'm not that as you are now, as I am now. Like I didn't know anyone connected to anything that we, and back when being on TV meant something, you know, someone that was on TV or someone that was on the radio, no one, if I had known a local DJ, I would have, I would have felt like I was in the know. We were just really cornered off into this small church and a small community. There were some great parts to it. Uh, the, the gift of boredom and the gift of rebellion. I mean, i I miss a little bit music being a rebellion. Like it was, it was, we, got out from under our parents and wore crazy clothes. And now in order to be rebellious, you have to worship Satan, (laughs) you know, because the parents are us now. And we're like, yeah, rock, rock and roll. Grow your hair to your waist. I don't care. Yeah, totally, (laughs) totally. Yeah. Get a neck tattoo at 17. I'm cool. Dad's <laughs>
1: doing yoga naked in the
2: yard. Yeah. And I thought I was
1: the rebel. Going back to what he said, oh, you said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was a guy at an opposing high school um, named Andy Nira, who I don't know where he is now. And he had this incredible hair and incredible clothes. He was a few years older than me. When we were in high school, his band opened up for In Excess, which was like, you might, have, you might as well tell me that aliens land. I mean, I couldn't believe it. So I had little clues that things could happen. They ended up getting a record deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, like we when we became a... Their hair was better than their songs, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I, I was in a band like that.
2: I believe me, you've seen yeah. pictures. Uh, and we we opened for Quiet Riot. It oh, was kind of nice. after their... You know, it's funny. They never got that big. They had the two big songs, and then there's nothing. Yeah. It was this band. They were, whatever it was, we get to play we before changed them. their
1: song to Come On, Feel the Boys, and you and, uh, you and you and Brett would stand on stage and say, Hey, ladies, <laughs> uh, bad business thing on you. Okay, yeah,
2: there you go. I thought you went to each other, but that would have been really weird. Um, <laughs> gosh, I don't know where you're going with that for a minute. But, that's, <laughs> yeah. but they they were just not that great. And we were. And I'm like, it gave me a little hope. And it also was kind of like, this is kind of discouraging. Yeah. The um, That 80s rock thing, I'm glad that that uh, we never got any traction doing that because I wouldn't want to be totally doing that. I love being a songwriter. It ages so well. Yeah, exactly. You know, it really does age well. We get to go and entertain and play the songs. And we've been able to be part of people's lives, but there's not... Just you're able to continue to be a level, regular human being, and you still get to entertain for a living. Absolutely. And you guys do it
1: great. And so I moved out. I looked on the back of all my CDs. I know you know this, but they all said the record company, Sunset Boulevard, California. So I went there, and I'm working at Tower Records. I loved 80s rock, but I couldn't play guitar like that. And you know, I like to say I was kind of stuck at the intersection of Brett Michaels' hairpiece and Eddie Vedder's flannel. I wasn't angry like the we grunge guys, but like the music was great. And but I wasn't doing the '80s rock. And I was putting bands together. But then the Counting Crows came out, and the Cheryl Crow album came out, Hootie and the Blowfish. And then at Tower Records, I was in charge of the country CD section. And they said, "You don't know anything about this music, so we'll give you some of the promos to take home." So I heard Dina Carter. Oh and heard, you
2: know,
0: was yeah, Strawberry Wine. Yeah, I heard changer. Vince
1: Gill, and I was like. Oh, not that country music is easy to write, but I was like, well, this kind of sounds like what I'm doing. Three chords, just some cool lyrics. I mean, the Cheryl Crow lyrics were fantastic. So it's interesting you say that I'm glad I didn't get any traction in some kind of, you know,
2: eighties band as well. My thing about country is I didn't love like the twang and the steel guitar and the voices, but I, even early on, I loved the stories. Yes, I always talk about the, the song. Nobody, you're nobody called today. And she oh, hung yeah. up and I asked her name. Is it Sylvia? Um, I should know that because I talk, talk about the song all the time. But it, I, I'm like, oh my god, this is brilliant. Yes. and that part always attracted me. So I would try to write lyrics like that, which badly, and put them in metal songs. It just really didn't <laughs> didn't really work <laughs> yes. out that well. But that, that was always in my mind, and the songwriting piece of it aged well over time. And the uh, you know you, you're kind of you're kind of subject to what era you were born in. Like our kids are going to like. Morgan Wallen will be a staple. That's their Bon Jovi. And it's still yes. funny because I've known Morgan since he moved here a little bit. It's weird. Uh, but kids, for even my kids, like that's their Bon Jovi. That's He's yeah. that big. It'll and, be the soundtrack to
1: their lives. Yeah. And they'll
2: never not listen to those songs and it'd be part of their, their life. And oh, I remember what I was doing. I was graduating from high school and sand in my boots was out. And that yes. was their. And it just, it's so close to us now. I don't, I don't, I don't fathom it anymore. Yeah, it's wild. And going back to re- rewind a little bit, another interesting thing that you couldn't plan out.
1: Um, my brother Lee, his best friend in the world that they played baseball all the time and he would sleep over and I would just like not even paying attention to them was a kid named Rich Waller. So then when my brother passed away, Rich and I started hanging out all the time and Rich was really into music, but I didn't know that because they were always, you know, in their baseball uniforms, like throwing mm-hmm. baseballs. So Rich was really... He was a drummer and I couldn't play any instruments, but I could pose and, and be the the, the the ringleader. So I'm like, I'll be the lead singer. So Rich, it was like, like I say in the book, it's like I lost a brother, but I gained another one. And Rich would would point out to me, like li- look at how this song changes. Like I would say, you know, this part of the song and Brian Adams feels like the, the roof of the car coming off and you're cruising down the highway. I didn't know it was called a bridge, but we just knew we needed that in our songs. Or he would <laughs> say, listen how the drums drop out at the end of Jump or every Van Halen song the, the drums will drop out and the guitar will keep going. And he was like, yeah, that's called dynamics. It makes you feel like you're on a roller coaster. To this day, I do that in every one of my songs. But would Rich and I have become friends like that or you know, rehearsed every day like an army with our band, Dirty Tricks? If my brother hadn't passed away, it's interesting. you
2: know. There's some weird, really weird, st- crazy synergies to, to certain yeah. things. I mean, did he ever give you any insight on what your brother was going through, or did is this just no, something that just no hasn't... one
1: knew? It was just a no one, no one ever really. It was just a shock to everybody.
2: I, I have some friends that uh, obviously because I have this group of dads that lost children, so I have some friends that their sons uh, committed suicide and and, and daughters, and um, it's like a bad moment. They had a bad day, like a kid has a bad day. Yes, and they just. They made a bad decision on a bad day thinking this is how to, and when, when you're old, like us, that moment that you it's can't like, this, get this out is going to pass, this, man, I, this too shall pass, whether it's a good day or a bad day. I'm trying to live on a five, you know, instead of a one or yeah. a 10 all the time. And as a kid, you don't know how to do that. I I remember in, when I was 15, I got caught smoking pot, We smoked pot at church, me and my best friend. And uh, at like at church during the service, <laughs> we snuck out and smoked pot.
1: Good thing you didn't watch MTV; you would have been snorting wow. cocaine off a Bible. You know?
2: oh, oh no, I, yeah, I was certainly that was that was that was going to happen. I mean, we were that was based on what we were being taught inside that church. We were definitely going to hell anyway. So I just smoked a pot. <laughs> um, and uh, it's it. it, it uh, I got kicked off the basketball team. Which was, seems like, yeah, of course you did. You spoke, But it, that was my, it's a tiny school. It was my whole life. I was in 11th grade. I was a young 11th grader. It was enormous. It was insurmountable that my friends would all leave for, to go to a game at noon. And I was, I'm, that's, I'm a basketball guy. That's what I do. I couldn't get over it. This is the worst thing that could ever happen to me. And I literally handled losing my own son better than I did getting kicked off the basketball team because that's how ill-prepared Children are for the yes, emotional for roller coaster, moments. And you just hate to see that one, that bad moment become so yes. final. I hope I'm not
1: making light of it or changing gears, but as songwriters, do you know the U2 song, Stuck in a Moment? Uh, Bono wrote that about uh, Michael Hutchins taking really? his life. Yeah, this wow. moment will pass. You know, you got to get yourself, you're stuck in a moment. Like it's just a moment. And yeah.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah. No, it. That's. I don't think it's making light at all. The, the truth is that the taking of a life and usually the losing of a life uh A lot of times, especially when it's when it's someone that goes too early and in their youth, it's just it's a, it's a bad moment. It's a bad day. It's a bad night. Yeah. And man, if 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 I could just get every kid to you know just say just just you're an adult a lot longer than you're a kid. Just hang on and survive. Oh yeah, you'll know, be an adult for the next fifty years. Yes, don't let being a kid for five ruin it. You know what I mean? The eighteen to or fifteen to twenty two yes you know my
1: dad and i say in the book and my dad could obviously speak well he was a salesman but i don't ever remember him giving speeches or anything other than you know yelling at other coaches or whatever and you know he was great at that but at my brother's funeral and and luckily it's written down i actually found it and i put it pretty much verbatim in the book he got up in front of everyone oh and the funeral was just like you know as, as you've experienced unfortunately it's packed with people kids in little league outfits and he said this i can't remember the quote exactly but he just said he got up there and he just said i've been driving myself crazy why did this happen why did this happen and he said i think i figured it out a message to all of you other kids here you know don't fool around don't uh get lost in a moment don't uh experiment maybe you know trying to make sense of it you know my brother it's hard to say he actually hung himself so if he was fooling around or if he was pushing the limits you know of the 6 million dollar man who knows yeah. and my dad was just saying this is just a message to all you kids you know just be careful because we need you. You're the future. It was incredible, you know.
2: It's funny. I talked at Sage's funeral, and I said um, I talked a lot to the the kids, his peers, his friends, my other sons' friends, yeah. and just said, treat alcohol like a loaded weapon, and treat drugs like a ticking time bomb. Because alcohol is fine. If you treat it like a loaded weapon, I'm careful with a loaded gun. Yeah. I'm not swinging the loaded gun all around. I'm not using it every day. I'm not. I mean, I, it, that's a. It's a cautious. But and 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 by the way, I'm. I don't have the need for a loaded weapon all the time, so I don't have one very much. Alcohol is that. It takes that amount of respect. Wow, that's um, heavy. Yeah, I don't uh, like guns.
1: Yeah. I don't like yeah. alcohol. You're, yeah, yeah. I mean,
2: like I've been with you, like. I', I let's say I've been with you a hundred times, right, times if I was a drunk, I'd probably be a big star, yeah, oh my god, I just i I don't know what's harder not drinking or watching you try to drink. <laughs> <laughs> put that on the back of the book yeah you just don't drink very much, you know just like you're allowed to and and uh. Can yeah. We speak freely. We
1: did a oh, show in, in Upper Wisconsin, and you know the quote: "The further north you go, the further south you get." Yeah, there were, there were a lot of there were a lot of hillbillies oh, up there. Oh, yeah, yeah um, but funny. someone said, you know, said Brad, "Can I get you a drink?" And, and it was this huge party, and, and you said, uh, "No, no, you don't. You don't have enough."
2: Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and I mean, I I really mean that too. It's like you you don't you have no idea what you're getting. Different alcohol alcoholics recovering. Uh, have different ways of of going about it. They, anonymous. I am not anonymous. I am an alcoholic. Believe me, you don't want me drinking. Uh, unless you're a cocaine dealer, you don't want me drinking. There's no other reason for anyone to want me. It's not a good. Uh, I knew you'd
1: make me cry. I didn't know it was laughter. Yeah,
2: <laughs> but you know, after 17 years, I, you can. I can. I can joke about it. But yeah, there's no. Um, it makes me think about your brother and think about that warm, whatever that moment was and and with the kids and the and the substance abuse. Here's what I say to parents. Here's what I say to parents. If you have 10 kids that got in trouble for for drinking, because here's what the parents do. They, they hide this from the other parents. They, oh, okay, I'm going to tell your dad you're drinking if you do it again. No, no, tell the dad right now, because if you take 10 kids that got caught doing something, one or two of them is going to have a real problem, a life-threatening problem. And when you don't share that information with the other parents, you're taking away an opportunity for them to deal with what might become a real problem. Because when they say, well, this is the first time, but if two other parents haven't told them something that's happened with drugs or alcohol at their house, maybe it's the third time that this 16-year-old's had an issue. Maybe there is an issue. But because we want to be cool parents and we don't want to spread that... Oh, don't, I'm, I'm going to tell your dad if you do that again. And I know there are parents that weren't honest with me. I'm, I'll tell you this. When I have gone to the ends of the earth to find parents that I didn't even know the parents of the kids, when I find out, I'm saying, I'm not judging your kid. And some of them I know. I know your kid's a great kid, but I want you to have all the information, all of the information, good, bad, or ugly, and let you decide how to deal with your kid. Yeah, it's but smart. with us trying to monitor the information we give to another parent, Shame on you! Shame on us if if that's what we're doing, and, I, and that's part of the reason that I'm open about the whole thing. I'm honest, almost to a fault, maybe to the discomfort of some people, you know. Because, yeah, but it, if it, it saves is somebody's life, there you go. One life. Yeah, if it saves one life. I'll be the I'll be the asshole that ruins every kid's summer by telling the parent. And by yeah. the way, the kids come over and they look at yeah, you, hey, yeah, your dad's long hair and tattoos. We can do anything we want, and then they're kind of like. And by the way, I love. I love my son's friends all of a lot lot of them are just like like my own kids I love them but you're not coming here. They, this is not the house kids come to to get drunk. Yeah, I can tell totally. you that. They, yeah. They know for better. those
1: of you who haven't been here, this house is beautiful. It's entirely white, so this is not somewhere you come to eat spaghetti either.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gonna stay at the table and wear a bib. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny. Michelle is raising the voice. She said, "No, if I have white furniture and white walls, they'll know that they can't just get it dirty, and I won't notice." Yeah, yeah. And the truth is, they.
1: <laughs> That's why they tiptoe through the mud with those nice white shoes they have.
2: Yeah, I've seen teenagers <laughs> yeah, I doing that. that. <laughs> it's like, what's going on? Yeah. yeah. Because uh, they're shoehounds. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know how I got off on the tangent, but it's kind of good to, good to say that out. I just No, it's great. It's I'm great. Just not judging someone's parenting, by the way, because I mean, I lost a child. I've lost any uh, desire or right to judge someone's parenting. But man, the idea of not sharing every piece of information with a parent. And I know it's, it makes, I thought of it because of your brother. But in that day and time, when you were a kid, when I was a kid and our parents were the where we are now, people didn't share anything. No. Everything was a shame. If you're gay, don't talk about it. If you're if you're anxious, don't talk about it. If you're depressed, don't talk about it. If you if your kid has a drug problem, oh God, that's that's it's embarrassing. It's exhaust you know. Exactly. And we didn't talk about anything and I'm like Good God. How did, how did our parents function without having nervous breakdowns every week? They, exactly. If they had social media did. and didn't talk about anything. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. My mom did. She fainted once when a uh, different
1: subject, she took the three of us to the doctor when we were kids. I don't remember it. I was running around riling up the whole uh, waiting room. And then my other brother, I think was opening all the drawers. And then my other brother, like kind of like jumped off one of the tables and like landed on his head. And then, so they were trying to wrangle us. And then the doctor was screaming to come help my mom. Cause she fainted. <laughs> it's great yeah
2: wow yeah Yeah. good times every mother with more than one child i mean there's moments yes yes like my our three boys you know just at at like a clothing store they would literally be under the clothes racks like mice (laughs) and you you didn't know couldn't find anywhere where they were tipping the mannequins over but you know yeah just like mice
1: i like that you you gotta write a book i love your you have all the details i'm working on i'm gonna i'm gonna
2: yeah And it
1: also, you know, it comes back also, um, I didn't write the song, but, uh, you know, I'll hear the song who he'd be today. It's a song that Kenny Chesney Mm -hmm. put out Yeah, and yeah, sometimes they will catch me off guard and I'm like, Oh, who would my brother be today? Yeah. Yeah. What what, would he be doing?
2: That's the hardest part of it for me. Uh, because I, I believe we I know where Sage is and I believe it with all my heart and I feel him around me and I know the effect he's had on people and we're, I know he's good and that lets me know that we're good, but it does. Sometimes I'm like, man, what, what would he, you know? Um, and sometimes I think, Hey, maybe God let him, let him slide through because there was going to be something that sucked really bad out there for him or, or something that it was. I try to find grace in all of it, but yeah, there, the, there's no way to not stop and think Yeah, who, what would, you know. And when you look at your other brother, the, the, the linebacker, uh, yeah, yeah, Lance. you know, yeah, you're like, yeah. I wonder how big he would have been with You know, <laughs> do
1: say his name three times. He'll appear.
2: Yeah. <laughs> like he would have been so big that the big brother couldn't have possibly picked on him anymore. Yeah, totally. What would that have been like yeah. as adults? You know, yeah,
1: that's why we never fought his kids. My brother is gigantic. Lance. Lee and yeah. Lance. Lee and Lance
2: and JT. Yeah. I had friends named Lee and Lance growing up. Yeah. Yeah. And brothers, Lee and Lance Rogers. Yeah, it's that's totally not even an interesting comment. But I just, just, <laughs> yeah. just, just thank God right for there. editing. Yeah. <laughs> Edit that crap out of there. So, so when you okay, one of the things that I want to talk about is you were you moved to L.A. like seventeen. Yeah, I was seventeen. Yeah.
1: Speaking of shame, How I was like, I'm going to take the GED. Is this embarrassing? <laughs> well, I just there was there was no stopping it. As I said, I just I would watch you know, MTV, put bands together. I was just like, there was a magical world I want to crawl into. Video seemed real to me. Concerts seemed real to me. I didn't know there were cameras and lights and pause buttons. And I just, I went out there. I had won the battle of bands. I had like, you know, $300 in the bank. And at that time, there were all these commercials on TV, which you never saw. Uh, Southwest Airlines fly anywhere. It was like when Southwest was new, it was like the cheap airline, you know? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And, so I would I'd got like a one way ticket to Southwest and I had been out there on vacation with my parents and I knew at Sunset Boulevard there were kids passing flyers out and there were all these bands and Poison and Guns and Roses had been signed. Yeah, I just went out there. I mean, it is a miracle by the grace of God that I didn't get into drinking or drugs or all that other stuff. You I got to
2: credit genetics to that too cuz yeah. I, I would have I would have been <laughs> shooting up with guns and roses. Well, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. I don't know. I mean, Jay, know, Jay smoked enough pot to
1: kill a small horse. So it just, yeah, what wasn't in me. I, um, So I moved out to LA and I just, you know, Got a job, met some kids on the sunset. I just find somewhere
2: to live. I mean, I know it's covered in the book, but I I did read the book and I love it, but I don't remember every detail. There was a little
1: teeny hotel and I went walking the Sunset Strip. And at that time, you know, there were girls everywhere. Everyone wanted, you know, know, the guys were prettier than the girls. So I had to say, are you a guy or a girl? I'm looking for a roommate.
2: Yeah. Um, It was a scary place back then because of that. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly.
1: I met some girls. They just, you know, we just moved here from Orange County. We need a roommate. So it just, it just, I don't know. I think I was so naive that something could happen. That it that it just did. And I never, I never, you know, looked back. Yeah. What you you and gotta, when I called home to tell my you parents. You got a job doing what? Um, first at a restaurant and then at a movie theater, used clothing store, which is a great I'd never been around anyone famous before. And you know, I was working at a used clothing store called Artvarks, it's still there. And there was one rule at the clothing store: you can't take the clothes off the mannequin in the window because those were the good use closed. And the bell above the door rang one day, and I was folding some jeans and uh, I heard this voice. I want that shirt. And I just looked next to me, and I didn't see anyone. I looked about a foot down, and standing there in front of my naked, steaming eyeballs was Prince. You know, the rock star. I'd never seen him famous before. I know you know How the stories in he? the book. I mean, he was small, but I mean, I just—I still get a chill thinking about. It. I mean, I couldn't but believe huge, he right? was standing there. I just couldn't believe it. So he's pointing at the shirt on the mannequin, and you know, I'm not allowed to take it out of the window. So I said to Prince. No problem. (laughs) So I tell this at my show, it's in the book. I jump up, I pull the mannequin down. It's making all sorts of noise. The arm falls off the shirts on it. And the boss comes screaming out of the back room. You know, what are you doing? And you know, this guy, the the owner of the store was really heavyset and he wore a grateful dead t-shirt every day. And I would always say, you look like you ate Jerry Garcia in that shirt. And they said, what are you doing? I said, Prince wants the shirt and I'm giving him anything he wants in the store because this is Prince prince he made me dream he he, you know he got me through breakups i mean his music so fire me do whatever you want i gave prince the shirt so i had jobs like that but it wasn't getting me any traction um with my music i put bands together so i would always think a little bit backwards okay if you want to get a record deal you have to you know have a song so i got to write a song you need a band to play the song that's not exactly backwards but uh but i thought I'll get a job at Tower Records, the record store. I was going there every Friday night to look it's not at. Not new- a terrible idea. Yeah, no, run look into at the- new CDs all the magazines, all the books. It just felt like it happened in place. And I thought, well, people deliver CDs here. I can tell them about my music. They can go back to Capitol Records and say, hey, you know, uh, there's a kid that works at the record store that writes songs. Once again, I'll say it again, I was so naive that something like that could happen that it did. I would scour the magazines. I would look at all the credits on the CDs, memorize the names. And then one day a guy put his credit card down at Tower Records and it said Brian Koppelman on his and you credit re- card. The and name? I was like. Oh, you signed uh Tracy Chapman and uh you signed this guy Joshua Cadison. He had that song, Jesse Paints a Picture. Do you remember that song? Oh, yeah, Could yeah, been yeah, a country yeah. song. And he said, Wow, yeah. What was how- that
2: again? Jesse Paints a Picture about how Joshua Cadison. Be- yes, yeah. wow.
1: And it was a huge hit at the time. Yeah, yeah. Tracy Chapman won all these Grammys. And I'll never forget Brian said, Wow, I can't believe you know my name. You must love your job. And I said, Oh, yeah, this is part of my get rich slow scheme working here. Um, and I just gave him my demo. A long, slow climb
2: to the middle. Come <laughs> <I'm> on. <laughs> <laughs> <That's great. laughs> <laughs> That's your book. Yeah, that um, might be it.
1: So then he called me and said, Your songs are great. Do you have any more songs? And I ended up getting a record deal. I mean, it didn't happen overnight, but yeah, I give my demo to everybody, man Kurt Cobain, Sylvester Stallone. A lot of people don't know that. Sylvester Stallone wanted Another One Bites the Dust to be the theme of the Rocky movie. They would, Queen wouldn't give him the rights to it. So he just went searching for a
2: song and he found Eye of the Tiger. I, I was gonna say, the Eye of the Tiger is Another One Bites the Dust. Yeah, bit. yeah,
1: yeah. And, and imagine just if he- Just Yeah, if they, yeah, if they <laughs> use uh, Another One Bites the Dust, we would never even heard of Eye of the Tiger. So I'm like, there's Sylvester Stallone chewing on an unlit match. I gotta give him a demo. And also- He
2: was really chewing on a match, so that wasn't just like a Rocky character. No, no, he That's really was. Yeah, Yeah, there. totally. Yeah.
1: And another thing I say in the book, Once again, we didn't have the internet.
2: I couldn't just call up a record
1: company. They didn't have phone numbers in the phone book or in the CDs. It was but a I big deal where, to get that number. was a
2: big deal. Totally. But yeah. I
1: knew where the record companies were, you know, and they like, they looked like as big as the Jurassic Park gates, you know, it's like, how do you get in here? But I knew this girl whose roommate worked at FedEx. So I borrowed the FedEx jacket, loaded up a little pack <laughs> of my CDs. And, you know, I'd, I'd say like Obi-Wan Kenobi tap dancing into the Death Star. I would just wave at the security guard. Hey, how's it going? I walked past, you know, every single promotion guy, every secretary, Terry, put my CD in every mailbox. I did whatever I could to get. You're, noticed. you're
2: shameless. Yes, yes. And and you I've never seen anyone enjoy promotion as much as you. It's really <laughs> just like fun to you, the game, just the box of from the box of books to the you know when we played faster horses your your social media i mean you're shameless it's yeah amazing.
1: totally i now, mean it's when it's easier now because i know it's like hey i have something good but after passing out those cds and no one calls you're like this is terrible is anything ever gonna happen you know yeah i didn't think like oh jay thomas is my dad i'm gonna get a record deal there were many nights where i was like is this
2: ever gonna happen you oh, know if you don't have those nights you don't deserve success yeah well <laughs> i'm sorry you have to I, i'm even if you just, I'm going to get kicked off the voice tonight or whatever it is. Yes, you yes. need some moments of <laughs> totally. this is not going to happen for it to for it to make sense um we in this time did you won rock and roll jeopardy right yeah so that's how i made my
1: first demo in los angeles if people don't know that, the,
2: the movie could end right there <laughs> when you won like this kid this, this idiot i mean and i say that with all love <laughs> yeah m- moves to la by himself at 17 after being in a winning a battle of the bands and being convinced and he gets out there and actually gets to be on tv and win rock and roll jeopardy the credits could roll right then <laughs> and it'd be a pretty great. good movie yes would have been a pretty good book if it It, ended in los
1: angeles you know i didn't have any money i was like how do i make a demo tape blah blah blah. but nowadays anyone on a computer is making music but we didn't have that but it's los angeles and all over telephone poles it's like uh auditions for this or be on this infomercial and i just saw a flyer that said vh1 has a game show and i was like oh yeah i know how to do this and i just called from the payphone, and they asked me they said are you an actor and i said well i can act and so many actors want to be actors or dreamers which is great all of these game shows were seeing the same faces because all of the out- of, out-of-work actors were on all these game shows. I said, oh, no, you, you haven't recognized me before. And so I went on VH1 Rock and Roll Jeopardy, and I just destroyed the competition. And with that $2,000, I made my first demo, got a little four-track. The host of Rock and Roll Jeopardy was the guy who is the host of Survivor now. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, totally. And on the game, you can see it sometimes late at night. People will call me and go, or text me, I just saw you on some old game show. And he comes next to me and asks me a question. And I like wipe my eye like he accidentally spit on me like in Smoking the Bandit. Oh, the studio audience was howling, you know? Yeah, it was
2: great. Of course, yeah. you, you just answered every question. You knew it I mean, Oh,
1: totally. I knew it all. They weren't that hard. The hardest thing, they would show like the, the cover of Spin Magazine with Green Day on the cover. And they'd say, who is this band? The hard thing about Jeopardy is, at least rock and roll Jeopardy. If I watch real Jeopardy, I mean the only way yeah, I could the only about- way I could get on that show is if I climbed through a window and ran in front of the camera. Yeah, I yeah, would never. Yeah. I would never make it yeah. on the audition. There were little lights off the screen that would go up like almost like the beginning of a of a race starting. All these yellow lights would go up, and you couldn't push the buzzer until the lights hit the top of the screen, or you'd be counted out. So I would, I'm like, oh, I know the answer to this. Then I would have to wait for those lights to go up. And I'm like, bing, bing, bing. That's yeah. the hardest
2: part. Of it. Yeah, and you answered every question they
1: asked. Except the last one. Do you was want me to last? give it to you? Do you know yeah, yeah, All right, this is great. For all of you smart people out there listening to the podcast, Final Jeopardy. I was up by so many points. I knew I wouldn't lose, so I only bet a dollar. Here's Final Jeopardy. Female singers, open to everyone in the room. Okay. She is a member of the Royal British Army. She had 10 top 10 hits in the 80s, which is a lot. And she starred in the biggest movie, of 1978, and then it you
2: go ding. Olivia Newton-John. That's it. How'd you know that? Boom. Is that in the book? No, no, no,
1: no. I mean, how'd you know that?
2: Well, there aren't that many British girls singers. It's the biggest movie in 1978 it was Greece. I'm there sure. They have it. Yeah. Yeah. She's from Australia. Okay, well, whatever. She had an accent. I'm that they're ignorant. Under,
1: no, they're under British rule. Yes. Okay. okay. Wow. No one got it. I yeah. can't believe you got it. Yeah. But I can't I believe I, still I got won. it. I'm much better Did for that. You know that, that? <laughs> anyone else here in the studio audience? No. We didn't get that. The movie was Greece, Yeah. Do You know how many top? Did you ten? put that? Was not in the movie.
2: I mean, in the book. I'm uh, sorry. I'm is not it? sure. I don't no, think, I don't it, think is. it is. But like yeah.
1: I've said that on other you know podcasts and stuff, but no one gets it right. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah. When
2: you said, I was thinking when you said the British Royal Army, I'm like, okay, there weren't that many people, and then and then. The biggest movie in 1978. I'm like, yeah, that's. I don't know. I didn't know what your grease was, but I knew that was close. Yeah. No, you're great, and you know that's a lot of hits. I mean, let's get
1: physical. Suddenly, all the grease hits. I mean, that's a lot of
2: hits. Top ten hits. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 You, she, you, know, you should have her on your podcast.
2: Olivia Newton-John. Yeah. Yeah, I probably should. Let's oh, see. she passed
1: away. Oh, entertainment business. Timing is
2: everything. Yeah. 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 Gosh <laughs> darn it. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Did you Did you know that when you said that? You're you're a piece of shit that I love. That's amazing. This is, i was gonna say when you said you should have her on your podcast—is she still alive? Because I,
1: but out of you like, look like Cindy Brady. Well, you never seen it on the Brady Bunch. Cindy Brady Cindy Brady went on a game show and she just stared at the camera. Your face went like that, and your wife was waving. Sorry, <laughs> Oh, uh, it's funny. On, so we, we, we went to, we went to Flamingos L.A.
2: Flamingos have backwards knees. Come on. God knows. I was <laughs> going to say
1: that before I was born. Yeah, I'm forgiven. Yeah.
2: We saw. Okay. So we drove from Tampa to L.A. to showcase. Yeah. Our band. back. Wow. In, that's a 50 hour drive. It was yeah. amazing. It's the most fun I've ever had in my life. Um, 200 saw, hour
1: drive if you're sitting there with you and your brothers. It's a
2: hundred. <laughs> if you take it back, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot of time in a van. And uh, we saw Dick Van Patten in a convertible, the very first stoplight we came to in, in Hollywood. And were you starstruck? Totally yeah. freaked out. And Dick Van Patten's not exactly Elvis, <laughs> but you know, it was like, oh my God, there's a guy on TV. He's right next to us in the car. And we're like, oh my God, it's here. And then we saw Cindy Brady walking her dog and it was just the greatest. Oh never gosh. seen anyone famous before. And we saw two in like an hour. It was it's crazy. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. It was like the Disney world of entertainment. I, I had the same experience you did. We were there for a week and I was like, oh my God, I'm never going home and about day seven or eight, I was like, oh, this place is kind of dark too. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. I want my mommy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, There's a so little so bit so of so it so when you.
1: I said that too. I want my mommy. Both of them.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I want my daddies and my mommies. <laughs> and uh, it, there was uh, like Guns and Roses was getting popular, and so you couldn't tell who the famous people were and the homeless people because they were dressed exactly the same. <laughs> you know, yes. that was a very confusing yes, <laughs> yes, yes, to yes, tell yes. who the hot girls and the trannies were because they looked the same. Everyone <laughs> was a very confusing <laughs> totally, place to be. Totally. And, I just wasn't, we were like Amish kids almost raised in this really Baptist, no TV upbringing. And I just wasn't equipped for it at the moment. So- it's incredible. No, it's it's moving to Los
1: Angeles or even visiting it, it's just like you see in the movies when Eddie Murphy goes out there in Beverly Hills cop and he's looking over his shoulders like, look at how these people are dressed. Everything's in technicolor, everybody looks great. There's there's you know, they say it never rains in Southern California, but it rains celebrities. There's famous people everywhere. Yeah, there's yeah.
2: famous there's stars everywhere but the sky.
1: Yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's great. And nothing but smog up yes, there. Yes, 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 yeah. Stars on the sidewalk. Yes. If you're just joining us, my Mars.
1: number one Amazon best selling book, Party Like a Rockstar, available is it, everywhere. Is it number one? It hit number one on there was there's a songwriting section. It was like learn to play piano, well, learn hey, to play. Learn to wise. play accordion. JT Harding, Party Like a Rockstar. Yes. That's and amazing. I did the and yeah, I did the audio book as well. A lot of people asked me if there's an audio book. Morgan Friedman was unav- unavailable apparently, but I did the audio book and it's a it was a blast. Yeah.
2: Oh, you have to it, I, it would be totally wrong for anyone but you to be reading absolutely the they gave yeah. me
1: a list of people no one famous i was like why you know am i gonna have this you know and there i stood meeting slash who had peed his pants now why do i do that i'm gonna do it yeah oh how long did that take? that's a great question i didn't know this so you do six hours a day five days in a row like like I'm talking to you right now, I, I lost my voice. Oh, yeah, of Yeah, I, lo- I didn't know that. I'm like, how do these, my respect for Howard Stern and, and Rosie O'Donnell, all these people that are talking all the time on TV just went through the roof. So I lost my voice and they were like, well, we're kind of on a deadline, uh, but I was not gonna miss. I just said, I won't talk all weekend, which, you know, you, you know me, it's like, I talk a lot. You have
2: to lock yourself in the house, right? Yeah,
1: totally. And uh, so luckily my voice came back and I finished it, but I didn't realize that talking six hours a day yeah, you would lose your voice. Yeah.
2: Oh God, I can imagine. And and you you're you naturally talk a little louder when you think you're performing something. That's totally I, and I've there were three rules. They book.
1: said breathe. This is great. I didn't know this. They said breathe at the commas. I didn't know that. Because you know the script is in front of you on an iPad. Breathe at the commas, have fun, and no loud clothing. I think they meant jewelry because I was wearing my leopard outfit, you know, luckily, but yeah.
2: So, uh, oh, no, loud cl- okay. yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, loud no, 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 no jingling. Yes, yes. You're on an episode of C when you're jingling, jangling. Yeah. And then, and then, okay. So then we can't talk about, we can't talk about like who you were a road manager for or whatever. And then in the book, you called him something else. We're yes. Yes. About yes, that? yes. You know? I,
1: uh, yeah. No, thanks for asking. I did work. So I got my first record deal, made a record with John Mellencamp's band, had a video schedule. They're driving me around in limousines and then the record company never called me again.
2: <laughs> Pause real quick. Yeah. I think we were talking the other day when we were in Green, Green Bay together last week. I th- And I meant to tell you this. I think I remember seeing your video on, I don't know, some Vimeo or what some some old video channel. Oh, yeah, Party MTV, Like a Rockstar or, or something? Party Like a Rockstar. Yeah. That song. I remember that song. Is that possible? Did I see oh, your video? Oh, sure. We made a video. Yeah. My
1: apartment building. So well, no, I've
2: seen it since then. Yeah. Because I Googled it when I was reading your book. And I'm like, I've seen this video. And I never told you that until now.
1: Yeah, it was on little things and like so, like the video jukebox or something. something Remember those of things? Of course, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah exactly. Okay. <laughs> I was probably in that bar playing it on video jukebox. Yeah, yeah, yeah
2: exactly. <laughs> I had a okay, song. Okay, sorry, out. I'm sorry to interrupt that, but no, I just. Sorry. I,
1: I just, had a song out in, but after all, this called "Party Like a Rockstar. That was big in some cities, but after I got my record deal, I lost the record deal. You know, I, I say thanks to the music business. My heart's been broken more than the ice cream machine at the local McDonald's.
2: I was kind of worn out. You I lost bit. your record before after "Party Like a Rock Star."
1: before I lost it after that too, but I got the record yeah, deal at tower here. working. Yeah. Working the, you know, passing my demo, got a record deal lost that record deal i was like oh my gosh you know like I, i've been doing all this in la i just thought i didn't know people lost record deals at the time but you yeah, know i've read a lot of books now a lot of at interviews yeah yeah totally i realized a lot of people lost record deals you can just go do it again kiss lost their record deal cheryl crow mariah carey it's happened to everybody but i was a little bit worn out so i got a job i wanted to still be in the music business but i got a job working it's in the book i call him the man in the sequin pajamas i got a job working for this crazy wild rock star, but it was great. I went all over the world. I saw places with different cultures, different languages, different food. You know, I've been all over Russia, Japan, Iowa, you name it, the strangest (laughs) places in the world. Um, So that's all in the book. And then I got a job working for Lincoln Park that's in the book as well. And they let me open up for them. I got booed off stage.
2: Oh oh, yeah, tell that story, tell the whole thing. This is the most amazing, this is so amazing. can,
1: Can we edit that out with what I said? I got booed off stage, so. After working for the Wild Rock star, all these other bands started calling me because I was throwing these big parties backstage for them. But I was always writing songs. I didn't want to work for any other bands, but then Lincoln Park called me and they had a record label. So I thought, well, this is interesting. Well they, they owned a record label. They owned a record label, yeah. So they were very low maintenance. They didn't, they were great guys. They didn't drink. They didn't smoke. They were all married or in fantastic relationships. So I would work on my songs backstage. They'd show up for the show. I'd set their Xbox up. That's really all I really did for them. You know, they were so nice, low maintenance, or maybe I'd put the markers out before their meet and greets. They would meet all their fans before the shows. And what was your title? Assistant? Yeah. Band assistant. Yeah. Okay. And once again, traveling the world on someone else's dime, it was great. And, uh, so one night they said, "Hey, in Kansas City, I'll never forget it. Uh, do you want to open up for us?" They knew that I had a record deal. I didn't really talk about it much. I was that wasn't my job to promote my own music. So I'll never forget it. They never were on that, stopped you before. Yeah, yeah. since. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I believe it was the band Slipknot was opened up for them. It was Slipknot and Linkin Park, and Slipknot. You know, are the band that wear the masks. I yeah. saw them without the masks, and I said, "Man, put those back
2: on." Uh, so <laughs> he knew why they wore the masks. Yes.
1: Just me with an acoustic guitar, just almost like songs I write now, you know, sangria or smile or whatever. So I go out on stage alone with an acoustic guitar and I tell people, if you ever get the chance to stand in front of 40,000 people under a spotlight and hearing every single person in the place screaming, you suck, you suck. I mean, it's just, it's magic, right? It gives you a chill, doesn't
2: it? So Lincoln Park- not everybody gets to experience that. Yeah, yeah, so know? Lincoln Park
1: had asked me to be out there, so I'm like, well, I'm not gonna leave. I'm just gonna keep playing. I mean, they are booing so loud, you can't believe it. So I finally say, all right, Kansas City, how many people here like Ozzy Osbourne? And there was like a, row, a like a low rumble, you know, people kind of clap. I said, well, here's a little Joan Osbourne, because I was just doing anything now to get their attention. I start singing- You're just giving them the God finger. was one of- Anything not tied down was thrown at me lighters shoes bottles cups pennies coins it was raining hellfire down on
2: me but i kept singing and all of a (laughs) sudden you're like going on down on the boat the titanic (laughs) you're the band on the deck of the titanic Exactly.
1: (laughs) from the front of the stage to the back like a jet engine starting they just start to cheer and i'm thinking i'm winning them over i'm such a badass little did i know that Chester Bennington, the superstar, tattooed lead singer of Linkin Park had come on stage to rescue me. And I looked back, I was like, oh, it's Chester. Okay, all right, it's up, it's up, my time is up. And his his face was kind of scrunched up like a concerned parent that had smelled something bad in the fridge. I was like, why is he looking like that? And he wiped my forehead and I was bleeding everywhere. I was so pumped up, I had, had no idea that a quarter or something struck me in the head and I was bleeding. So he, my knees get weak, he takes me off stage, the roadies come out with the- Did you look for the quarter? Because that was the only money you were gonna make. That no, night. no, 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 contraire, mon frere. The roadies <laughs> had to run out with those big brooms that janitors have in high school to clean the stage off. And they were yelling, JT made a fortune. There was like $300, <laughs> with it. the stage was covered, yeah. <laughs> the next day in the newspaper there's a great review of Lincoln Park we wake up in the hotel the newspaper's everywhere there's a giant picture color picture in the paper of Chester with his arm around me I'm bleeding from the head and that picture is in my book and at the end of the review there's like three lines that say the opening act was a one man band called the JT experience despite bleeding from the head he finished a two song promising set and a kid that saw me told his dad about me They, I was passing out CDs by the tour bus. I don't even remember all this. Had a big bandage on my head. They called someone in in LA and they were like, man, we saw this kid, you gotta hear these songs. They called me and said, we have an office in Nashville called Combustion. Your songs are like three
2: minute movies. Are you kidding? No, no. Did I miss that in the book? You must have, yeah, yeah. Or not remembering it, because that that terrible show led to your publishing. Yes, yes. Which led to your hit songs. Yes,
1: Meeting Prince, I didn't have a demo. Didn't have you know any money, went on Rock and Roll Jeopardy, lost a record deal, got booed off with Linkin Park. Little did I know that the universe, God, whatever you wanna call it, was just guiding me down this path. Just keep going. You're gonna end up writing hit songs, yeah. And that's what got me to Nashville.
2: <laughs> I think I was laughing so hard at the story of getting booed off, I didn't really yeah, yeah. have had anything to do with, yeah, that's a good saying we use in, in uh, recovery all the time, stop trying to act like you know what just happened. <laughs> If you hadn't had the balls to get booed off that stage, who knows? Yeah, totally, totally. (laughs) Maybe no publisher. So with Smile, Smile was your first hit, right? Yeah,
1: so then I was in um, Nashville, and I had this song out on the Internet. Some radio stations played it called Party Like a Rockstar, and someone showed that CD to Uncle Cracker, who did not know that I was from Detroit, but he's from Detroit. And uh, he called me and he said, Hey, we should write some songs. And we spent a weekend writing songs and, you know, he chain smokes. My eyes were as red as the Netflix logo, that whole writing session, but we ended up writing smile. I always say it was crackers title. And uh, he said, I want to write a song that, you know, my, my three kids and my wife and my mom can dance around to." And I was like, Oh, is that it? (laughs) And we'll go to Nassau while we're at it. Yeah. 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 But we ended up doing it. You know, we wrote smile and it became a really big hit and that kind of busted the doors open. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 I, I've told you this before, but "Smile" was Sage, our old, our oldest son who passed away. That was his favorite song. He's, there are like six pop culture things I think of when I think of him. The Office, he loved The Office. Your when he, son, yeah. My, when say, I think of Sage. He had uh, he he loved The Office. When he turned thirteen, I told him I take uh, all of my boys when they turn thirteen. I take them on a trip somewhere. Our dad did it too. Just pick somewhere you want to go. Basically, I, I told him anywhere in the United States you want to go, we'll go for a weekend. Wow. Just a 13 year old trip. Our dad had done it and we didn't travel as kids. So, um, And he literally went to Scranton, Pennsylvania because that's where they, the office is based because, office. because he loves it. And I said, You know, that's not where they shoot the show. And he's, Yeah, I know. I want to go to Scranton. I just want to. And it was so much fun. But it was great. But I think of the office. Are there any
1: I, landmarks or anything in Scranton that they use in the office? Well, or? yeah,
2: yeah. There's a Cooper Seafood where, where we ate. There's Poor Richards, the bar. That's really there. That sign, Welcome to Scranton, which was. On the, you know, like when you drive in, they put it in the mall because people were stopping and backing up traffic on oh, the that's road. Oh, great. So there were, the, were a few. Yeah. Things. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then the mall, there's tons of office gear. Yeah. There was yeah. enough. And then they had a little hill we went snow skiing on. It was great fun. But, but I think of the office and I think of, of, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan. He was a little bit of baby. He played Stevie Ray Vaughan in his diapers. He just wow. watched it incessantly, couldn't do it. And I think of Smile. And there's other there's a few other things, but like that was a moment where he he just loved that. That's my favorite song. That's my favorite song. And when he was a kid, right? When he yeah. was a kid, he was yeah. like, I don't know, we've been eight or nine or Cause whatever. When I it met was. him,
1: he was like, "Smile" was one of my favorite song when I was growing up. I was like, "Oh, what's your favorite song now?" He was like, uh, "Shake it like the fries." And I was like, "Oh, I, I didn't write that." But uh, yeah, okay, if you move past smile, he said something like that. <laughs> well, our <laughs> other
2: song that I think about too is the uh, post Malone Ozzy Osbourne song. So oh, that wasn't smile. Oh, which, nice. Which yeah. was a great one. Yes. Um, Wow. Anyway, so smile was big that's uh it's that's incredible that, that was one of those songs if it wasn't the biggest song in the world it, i sure did it felt like it at the time it felt yeah, like it for you. a long time it felt like it for two years yeah. that was one of the it two songs so big it was so it
1: was so big it ruined his career he has had another one since
2: <laughs> starting your career ruined crackers yeah that's <laughs> good yeah it happens yeah, so my no, friend danny guy. wilde wrote the the um the Friends theme, the Rembrandts. Oh, wow. There was yeah, and, and he said, Oh yeah, it made it made us both a million dollars and ruined our career. <laughs> Cause all the cool college kids that used to want to come see them and and hear that's just the way it is, baby, or whatever it is. Yeah. Um wow. Yeah. And they, so they kind of I think they're they're actually back to people. I hear them in the grocery store all the time now. But he said for a minute it ruined their live. Like people wouldn't come see him live because they're like, yeah, oh, they're pop culture friends thing. And it's they're, wild, they're isn't cool isn't it? little yeah. hip audience. I won't like be there for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Ding ding ding! ding. <laughs> um, and so you wrote that with Cracker and, and Blair and Daly. Blair
1: Daly, Yeah, just the three of us. Yeah, and then we had. um there was another guy who I've never met who actually came up with the little piano loop. The It was just like, but down, down, But you know, this is Nashville, you know, write a word, get a third. So um, he's another writer on it as well. So. Yeah. yeah, now but, everyone starts off with loops and riffs, but I was kind of new to writing, but it was just, oh, we were strumming on acoustic guitars all weekend. It was great to hear this little piano thing, yeah. And Smile just like fell out. It's I mean. not
2: really right about that. The, there's a piano player called named Randy McCormick. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he this is a story I heard and I knew I played on some stuff with Randy. He's amazing. Amazing keyboard player, but he played and he was in the studio and they were doing a Bob Seger record and they it was, it was old-time rock and roll and they said, "Just play an intro to start the song." Oh. And then we're going to, st- we'll just start, we'll dead start singing. And he went, dun da, 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 He just wrote dun, dun, it? Da, 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 Not like, not a songwriter. Didn't get songwriting credit. None of that. Just like I don't get any, any money for the proceed to party shirts with the red silicone. Yeah, they're everywhere, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just. That's an iconic uh, That's an intro. iconic riff. Yeah. And he just played that. That's that's the story that I heard. And and I it, he's that good, yeah. for sure. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. No, so he should get a piece of that. He should, yeah. He should actually get more, more money iconic. than whoever wrote the lyrics. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay.
1: it's more iconic than Smile. Yeah,
2: no, I mean that's yeah, it's pretty. I mean, Smile is big. Let's not try to be Bob Seger, all right? Yeah, call yeah. call yeah. me, call yeah, me yeah. yourself. <laughs> no, it's good because I mean, we've we've never had like a well, I mean, some things that crossed over culturally, but that, that was really big, all formats, or it seemed like it was. It's pretty yeah. on every stage. No, you know the
1: story. Like I mean, everywhere I went for probably two years, people would say, "Oh, JT writes country songs," and and all over the country, people would say. Oh, did you write Red Solo Cup? People that like probably
2: weren't country fans that knew the song. Yeah, but it didn't do that crazy thing at radio. Red Solo Cup didn't do that. Smile did. Like oh. I, I felt like I heard Smile on every kind of station. If they had had rap stations back then, it yeah. would have been on that. But it was like AC, pop, country. Yeah. Even rock stations. Yeah, like we've some.
1: been trying to do it ever since. I've written happy. I've written frown. I've written dimples. Yeah, Cry, just, <laughs> laugh,
2: yeah, anything. 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 <laughs> One more title. <laughs> yeah, oh. Now, yeah, okay, yeah just, just Somewhere With You is another one, too. That's, that's. Um. Yes. So yeah, to any
1: uh, songwriters out there listening, and Brad will tell you, one reason I think I've been a success in Nashville is because of course I tried to trace cha- uh, trends, but that didn't work. So just kind of being myself, when Shane McAnally and I wrote Somewhere With You, everyone said, oh, this isn't a country song. It's got the fast singing in it, and country songs are like, just breathe, or I hope you dance. And we weren't trying to do anything different. We were just, you know, spilling our broken hearts out, you know. And then Kenny Chesney decided to put it out and everyone just got out
2: of his way. And I mean, we all we all write good songs every day. You don't really know when the, the great one just kind of happens. Yeah, I don't exactly. know what it is about that song, but that was what I heard on the radio. I'm like, damn, I wish I would have written that song. It, it shows was, you how
1: smart Kenny Chesney was because I don't know him personally. I mean, I've met him now. But apparently, uh, he just said, I need something different that I haven't done before. And so it was, it was different. Everyone passed on that song. That song was passed around more than a vape pen at a Morgan Wallen after show, you know. <laughs> and uh, and it landed in Kenny Chesney's an Thank you for everything. <laughs> That's
2: good. <laughs> and you know, Kenny is great. We talked yesterday. Uh, we were on a, a little show, and and uh, you talked with Kenny Chesney yesterday. No, no, no. Oh. We talked about Kenny. Um, I've known Kenny a long time, but Kenny and Tim and Blake Shelton, those guys are great at reinventing themselves within the framework. It's still, I mean, it's, it's not, not an easy. accident to stay on the top of the charts for two decades. It is hard. Yeah. People have no idea. It's too hard for me. It makes my head hurt to even think about trying to be one of those guys. Um, yeah, I mean, you had a bunch of hit songs. I don't want to go over your, all of your songs, but but those two songs were were in effect. That's the only ones I actually want to talk about. Yeah, that's good. I'm I'm good. That's good. I'll take it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm super <laughs> flattering. I don't want to. I don't, it's just the songwriting thing. I mean, we do and we talk about that all the time. But those two, especially "Smile," is always going to be special to me just because of. of uh, uh sage and then sometimes in the book party like a rock
1: star there's so many funny stories with cracker because he hadn't had a record out in five years i knew he was talented he also wrote all summer long with kid rock but you know his record company wasn't calling him back but i just knew if we had the right song we could, something could happen. I'd never had a hit before. I'd never written with anyone famous before. So a couple of years went by of me writing with him, trying to help him get a record out in areas I didn't know what I was doing, taking him to New York to write with other people. So there's just great colorful stories in the book about me saying, you know, come on, let's go. I mean, he's obviously a very smart guy, but um, it was just funny traveling around with him. Was the uncle? Uh, what? Uncle? Oh no, his brother, Uncle brother. Mike. Uncle yeah, Mike, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> I don't know Uncle Mike, but his brother just. Uh, just oh, I'm his gonna, brother's incredible. Text him and you. I really, I want to hang out with. Yeah, him. yeah, definitely. They're funny. I mean, Cracker is so Detroit. Like if you look totally. up Detroit, he in and day his day brother day, are like you
1: and your brother when you're with both of yeah. them, it's nonstop one-liners and the put sarcasm. I can feel it.
2: But but after this is all after you wrote Smile, right? You're trying to recreate it when you took him all those places.
1: Uh, yes, because um, yeah, Smile. Like no one called us back. There was it was just like it was just like dead in the water. And it's like I knew in my heart and soul this was a hit song. And but like his record company this is this how I remember it? His record company wasn't calling. No one was doing anything. But luckily, you know, Cracker's very smart. Rob Cavallo, who produced Green Day, Alanis Morissette, all the Goo Goo Dolls record. He had just done a giant Dave Matthews record and he had done the latest Kid Rock record all summer long and all these things. And Cracker started talking to Rob Cavallo and sent him some songs. And Rob was like, oh, I'll, I'll produce the song Smile. And that really got the train going, so.
2: Yeah, it's hard to hard to pick out exactly what it is about something like that, that that's yeah so amazing and, and magnetic, but it was. Um, so, your dad, your real dad, Jay, Jay Tom. But by, by the way, have both of your fathers died? I'm sorry. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, have. when Jay died, that was first, right? Uh, no, my dad Larry passed away first. Yeah. Okay. So when was okay. that?
1: Um, probably because it's been a good. It's funny how the time goes by. At least, at least 15 years or so. Okay. Yeah. And he had the best life. You know, he scored a touchdown in the Rose Bowl. He started ESPN in Michigan. And then the Discovery Channel, I didn't know at the time, you know, because all the car companies were there, the advertising was awesome because they all wanted, they all needed car commercials. And when my dad worked for the Discovery Channel, I mean, he flew to, you know, Australia for the Eco Challenge. He would take, you know, uh, snowmobiles down into glaciers in Antarctica and eat, you know, lobster and, and, and champagne. And he had me, you know, it's like, you know, I mean, he had a great, great life. He had so, everything. Yeah, he had everything. Yeah, he really had everything. So No, had, it really sounds like they life, were, yeah.
2: like, I I really as i was reading your book respect and he was
1: the, much older i mean he was not an old man but he was older i mean jay was definitely you know gone too soon of, yeah i'm so sure in heaven they're like can we send jay thomas back he's a little too loud yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah making fun true. of elvis and michael jackson right now they're like yeah, michael you, you thought you were, were the only something. white woman that died that day but farrah fawcett died too you know yeah
2: <laughs> one of his oh, <laughs> it never ends yeah go ahead it never ends. um um so yeah you're your adopted father, man, he had like I I really respected reading that uh the book that they were like such an athletic family and yet they were like, Yeah, man, be an MTV kid. Yeah. I think that's cool because it's hard to not it's hard to not say, hey, hey, no, this in this family, here's what we do. We all we we work out, we play totally. football and and, um, and it wasn't just... Um, of course, and, you weren't going to make much of a kid, linebacker, right? Uh, 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 what's that? You weren't going to make much of a linebacker. Yeah, no, right? no, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's all right. Right. Yeah. Maybe they just saw that earlier. Yeah. And it wasn't just
1: like, yeah, you can have a band in the basement. It was like, hey, uh, we won the Battle of the Bands, and there are... And as a kid, I'm not even thinking they have to skip work. I'm just like, we're going to do this. So there were three or four high schools in Michigan since we won the high school talent show that we could go to and play in their packed gymnasiums like we were going on tour. And I was like, no one else's parents would take us. And but, you
2: snuck out and but, played the first one, right? Or something? Yeah, because I was grounded because I had bad grades. So and they I still took you to the next one. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, so I was like, listen, no one's
1: parents will take us. And we can play at these four high schools. Someone's got to take us. And my dad was like, okay, I'll do it. Yeah, load up the car. And as a kid, I'm like, oh, here we go. But... That's you know, amazing. you're a parent, it's like hey, you got to skip a day a day of work. Yeah, it, when you look back on it, it's on un, it's unbelievable.
2: There's some grace to be had. That's they pretty amazing dudes. And then when did, how long ago did Jay die?
1: Um, it's been about um uh 5 or 6 years. Yeah, gone too soon. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, so how, he was
1: how old was he? Um, well, well, similar to me, he lied about his age. So I don't know exactly. He was um must have been 65 or something. You can look yeah. it up. Yeah. yeah but, but such a It's interesting. I feel like right now when I leave here, I could just pick up my phone and and call Jay like, oh, he's down in New Orleans. We had a house down there. He had such a big personality that it like doesn't even seem like he's gone. It's very surreal. I'm not sure what surreal means, but I think it means that. Yeah, Yeah. I
2: think it means that too. Yeah that's um yeah or
1: I'll like flip the radio and like his re- he was on he had a show on xm and he filled in for howard stern every friday so i'll just turn on the radio and i'm like oh there's jay talking about something or i'll flip through the channels on any given night and i'm like oh here's jay on the golden girls you know it's like it's wild yeah
2: yeah and what w- was it letterman that loved him so much it had him on every yes every christmas or he every christmas. would
1: throw the football at the meatball meatball of the christmas tree and knock the meatball <laughs> <The> meat <bell. laughs> meat <laughs> like <it's> taco bell <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. The, made out of yes, meat yes yes Oh, that's amazing! Um, all right, so I have a a question I ask everybody. It's two two part question, um, and the the question is, what's the worst thing that ever happened to you? And the second part is, what's the best thing that came out of that?
1: You know, I know the best thing that came. Okay, so this is tough because I've I've had you know I've had you know a lot of you know family members that have passed away. So you would think I should just say the worst thing that ever happened to me was my brother passing away, but. I think the worst thing that ever happened to me was my dad, Larry Harding, passing away. You want to talk about denial. So he had prostate cancer, but he was completely normal up to when he passed away. So talk about denial. He's like, hey, I went to the doctor. They said maybe I have like six months to live. It was like, well, that's impossible. Anyway, I'll see you next weekend or whatever. So my dad passing away because I'd never experienced anything like that. I mean, talk about denial. I just like it's impossible that he's going to pass away. He'll get better. so when he passed away, I would say that was the worst thing that ever happened to me. You just cannot, it's an its an unacceptable, unacceptable reality. You just can't believe that he died. But the best thing that came out of that was now when I know someone who's going through that, then unfortunately my mom passed away years later. I knew to be home all the time because it was real. And then when Jay passed away, I told my, and I always say, I say, hey, I'm not trying to be a bummer. Anything could happen but your dad is sick and you've got to come home. And my younger brother's like, oh, my boss is giving me a hard time. I said, dude, tell your boss to find someone else. You've got to come home right now. So they were home every day the last three weeks that that Jay was left. So the best thing to come out of it is that I get to tell people now, if you're going through this, spend time with your parents. I don't remember who I was supposed to write with for that entire three months that my mom was going to pass away. But I remember every second, yeah, with her, yeah
2: that's awesome yeah that's a great answer because i will tell you that that is one of the big differences that i would say um when someone says what's the biggest difference and you know and i say that i run to the fire instead of running away from the fire now oh, that's great. and
1: that is um and you, you out you make my songs better you make my stories better all right, right, right you even make no, my no, jokes no, better. no
2: no 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 but it, that that is that is a by the way i mean the the child death is different than a parent death, no matter what age you are, and and I have learned that it doesn't matter whether you lost a child as an infant, or you were eighty and they were sixty. There is something unnatural about that thing going on, but because of that, I have been to every I have been to every funeral that Tampa, Florida has had that I knew somebody going on for the last two and a half years. I I just I go to the funeral. My best friend's mom died from Tampa. Went to the funeral. Our high school coach died. I went to the funeral, and I I love. First of all, I have a different perspective on he, death he puts the fun in funeral i do i put the fun in funeral um and we'll you know brett and i will sing at it it's just something that i would tend to not i would just tend to i would just not be there it's like well i just ignore that and it'll go away there was one of my grandparents
1: or it's too far or i didn't know him well enough or whatever i have
2: to work we're producing a record i missed my grandfather's funeral i'm like oh what a dick that's so terrible and i hate that about myself i would never i would never do that again and i will never do that again i show up now when it when i wouldn't have before so i love that answer because that's something we don't think about what's such
1: a great question no one's really ever asked me it's the silver lining and a little side note so jay would be in the living room and we'd be playing video games and i would say okay listen I went and got the Dr. Pepper. You got to go get the Doritos because I'm not getting stuck in the living room. Oh, come on, you go get it. So you'd walk in. Hey, did I ever tell you about when I told Howard Stern what a loudmouth fool he was? Yeah, yeah, you told me. And I'd go in the fridge and you'd walk by really quick. How about the time I told Letterman he was an idiot? Yeah, yeah, you told me. So we would get trapped because we'd heard all the stories. So it was funny. We were all
2: home, but we were all so escaping. You're still the kids, right? (laughs) And by the way, kids make fun of their parents. That's just how it works. I mean, Mike's, My boys, they just, like I I was telling you earlier, they just told me there's some things you dad stopped telling the waitress. I didn't like it very much when your (laughs) plate's clean. Like the progressive commercial. And if we'd say that, Jay would say, you're in a bad mood. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, no, I just realized it's like, I make fun of my parents. They deserved it. Kids make fun of me. I deserve it. And their kids are going to make fun of them. And also not
1: only telling people, when I knew that Jay was like, Was not doing well. He had um, some sort of throat cancer. I hate even saying the word, but I think, you know, we live in a time where medicine has come so far that people can be really helped. But I was like, I know Jay's sick. I'm going to skip all my rights. I'll go there. So he had some sort of medicine that he was taking in his arm intravenously. And he said, Hey, I got to take the medicine. Can you go, go downstairs and get me a funnel? And I go, okay, great. So I'm downstairs rifling through the kitchen, a funnel, a funnel. Like what he meant was like the glass thing that you pour the, the, you know uh you know, the pancake battery or whatever I did, I did for some reason i didn't know what he meant by he funnel, funnel the so like i'm just like looking at everything and i found some like little turkey basers something i run up because the 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 intravenous thing i don't want to be too graphic it was kind of like dripping or something i came up and i'm like like this he goes no a funnel so i run back down and i get him a silver bowl and i bring it back up I, the funnel to me like it's like yeah so i come up and he's like all right all right let's just try it let's try it pour the medicine in here and try to use the try to use the bowl to pour it in my intravenous thing and he was like, he wasn't like lying on his bed dying. He was still active, but this was the medicine he had to take. I pour the thing in the intravenous thing and somehow it backs up. And it just like, like, like a rocket ship going off. It just like oil. Well, it just goes and this like blue green medicine sprays all over us, like yelling. And he's sitting there with his hand, he's standing, (laughs) sitting there with his hand over his face. He's dripping like a bad sitcom. And he said, do you know who Florence Nightingale was? (laughs) I said, uh, the very first nurse he said, Yep. You remind me of her brother. I said, Was he a doctor? And he said, No, he was a failed auto mechanic.
2: <laughs> so i was bet still like that. you were just like one <laughs> yes, liner after yes. one liner. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, getting memories. Oh. Uh so like the last thing I kind of wanted to just just uh, and I I, just, I don't even like it's not loaded about it, but but the like, what do you think is gonna happen to the professional songwriter? <laughs> I know we're both songwriters. I mean, what do you think the future of that is? I don't know if what are the careers that we have had and, you know, we're having. Is that going to be there in 10 years? I do not know. For anyone
1: starting out right now, like people have been talking about... Go to college. No, people have been (laughs) saying radio is going to go away. I'm like, what are you talking about? Radio is not going to go away, but certainly the CD went away. Certainly MTV went away. So it's all about streaming. So I can only hope that... people that are making incredible amounts of money off streaming recognize that the songs are what keep it going and they just have to figure out uh, a way to pay everybody listen i've done great you've done great but for the songwriters coming up you know songwriting is a real job it's not like sitting in the in the basement smoking a bong trying to rhyme you know paul revere it's a it's a real job the world is always going to need hit songs i mean you can't imagine Try to imagine the movie Jaws without the Donna. Donna, you can't. Try to imagine your favorite football team running out on the field and there's not a song playing, or the song like Happy Birthday. Someone sat down and wrote that. I mean, I know those are old songs, but but we're talking about the future of songs, and and it's a real job. And if you want new songs that touch your, you know, your life, like your kids listen to Morgan Wallen, like songwriting will disappear if someone doesn't get paid for that. And by the way, I don't want to be paid for the songs that I've written. That you know, nobody likes that's all different thing. But for people, you know,
2: I mean, I do, but I don't expect, to. yeah, yeah, exactly. I want exactly, to, but yeah. I don't expect to. Yeah.
1: yeah. I didn't know that someone told me that, and you might have more. I don't look it up, but I've written, the songs I've written have streamed over a billion times. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, so if someone is stuck in traffic jamming one of my tunes or throwing a Frisbee on the beach uh, or, you know, sitting in the car and they're nervous about a first kiss and they're playing smile like, yeah, I expect to be paid for that. So I, the world is always going to need hit songs. So I know that. So and we're going
2: to miss we're going to miss, and we're currently missing some great songwriters because it's not a viable. It won't in the future be a viable source of income. We're going to miss some great poets like Tom Douglas that are smart enough to do something else. You're not going to probably miss me because that's the only thing I can do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not qualified yeah. to do anything else. I'm going to guess you're not either, although you, were, you, you could actually. It's such a simple
1: question with not an easy answer, but I know the world will always need hit songs. And uh, we're gonna need songwriters to write them. So they just have to figure it out. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's it's for another generation, but I always like to get everyone's take on it because I, I, my fear is not that the world won't continue to spin. By the way, if we just had to listen to old songs forever and no one ever wrote a song, we, we'd live. There's so much content out now that I think we could use less content. Yes, like, holy yes, cow. Yes. I can't keep up with what's going on. But someone wrote those songs. Someone are gonna write the next songs. And at some point, if it's not a viable way to make a living, we're going to have 10 years without a song that made somebody laugh or cry or help them through a bad night or a breakup or whatever it was. And uh, I don't think we'll understand that we missed it until it's, it's skipped a whole generation totally and yeah. not
1: everyone can live off the old songs because i hear songs now i'm like what are they listening to and it just seems like this wild song like take it easy by the eagles isn't going to satisfy a ninth grader right now that's listening to something like totally wild and cool that doesn't even make sense to me
2: yeah 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 let's well, screw them uh, henley stay away from her take She's it easy school. should take care of everything the eagles covered it all yeah they're yeah, perfect exactly, yeah. the eagles are perfect don't ever <laughs> say they're not <laughs> just <Yeah>. kidding <laughs> Uh, you're amazing thanks for doing thanks this thanks for having me I love me. you man uh, yes awesome Party Like a Rockstar Party
1: Like a Rockstar available wherever books are sold the audio version's out I'm I'm super proud of it and, and I, I talk about all the hit songs I've written all of them I've co-written I talk about the co-writers how we came up with the titles how we got it to these stars how songs were passed around and said no to so it's really it's really great it's all mixed up That's mixed awesome.
2: in thanks for being honest today. all right appreciate you love yes, you brother yes yes Great! Woo! Fantastic! Hell yes! Yeah! That was great! That was great, man! I love the uh, the questions that are unexpected. Yeah. <laughs>